Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 612, NFL season preview. Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, how's it going? How was your weekend abroad? Yeah, it was good. As usual, feels like every time we talk about travel, it just reminds you how stupid most of humanity is. And yeah, just, I will say one guy, I don't like, one when we, on the Eurostar over, going through the security. Proposal? No, going through the security uh, line. I hate to kind of use this term, but one guy did alpha me a little bit because we were in line and then he just came through and was like, excuse me, excuse me. Well, excuse me, excuse me. And was just plowing through the line. And I assumed like, Oh, he's trying to get on the train. That's just about to leave. Fair enough. I'm not going to be an asshole who blocks, but no one was questioning him. And then he just got right before where the luggage scanner was. And it was just, his girlfriend was there and he just pushed through the whole line <laughs> and he was on the same train as me and just the confidence. How of, big was he? Not big. Just, but he did it with total confidence. I got to give him credit. Like he just, and it did kind of get me, he got there and I was like, damn it. <laughs> I do not enjoy the fact that this just happened. I have to say the, the, this is in Paris. I'm assuming it was. Yeah. And he was French. The Paris, system for the Eurostar is just chaos. It's awful. I mean, I don't expect anything less because it's, it's France, but it's like for a company that I guess has to be half UK, right? Yeah. Or at least partially UK run. They, they let, they let the Paris branch just do whatever the fuck they want. I mean, it's, it's a nightmare every time there's like no set lines. No. People are just like swarm in to get to like the front. The thing, it's a mess. The thing that really bothers me is you kind of have some system in place for the like passport element, the first passport stage, but then all of the subs you feed into different parts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like if you go through the wrong bit of the passport control, you're suddenly pushed back in the line by 80 people. And then, so, yeah. and then you just watch other people who started queuing 30 minutes after you are now streaming through. And that is how that scenario ends up where you and your friends or the people you're traveling with can get it hugely separated i also had the slight moment this one bothered me less but the same uh, husband and wife traveling with their like six-year-old child and oh boy the strike one already <laughs> yeah not a fan don't do it but they got slightly separated by a couple of people and she was uh excuse me let me back through i i have to be with my child to take care of it and in my mind, I then I let, of course, let them through. And I'm sure there'll be lots of listeners who did completely disagree with me on this. But I kind of did the, you got two parents, one child. You don't have to be together for the for this line. <laughs> like this, <laughs> your child is old enough. This could have been a solo two-minute experience for the dad and the son. Like you didn't. Could have been a great learning experience for both of them. Exactly. But you, you know, and I'm not, ultimately, I don't really care. I wasn't at risk of missing my train, so I wasn't sort of bothered by someone getting, you know, 
adding an extra 45 seconds onto my experience, but I kind of just disagree with it. Like you don't, you're not as a parent, you, you know, it's, you're not suddenly entitled to this line skipping. If opposite, why don't, why don't your husband and your child move back through the line? Why don't you take that approach? <laughs> why doesn't he go, oh, sorry, my yeah. wife. Why doesn't he just wait yeah. for my wife? Like, my wife is behind I'm me. waiting. Yeah. For my wife. Go ahead. You guys go ahead. My wife's going to catch up. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I had actually a uh, interesting little weekend. I helped set up a bachelorette party. So first bachelorette party I've, I've really helped set up. Surprises me. I would have thought you were the go-to man in Arizona. Yeah. The man with a plan whenever a bachelorette party I, was needed. You know what? I make a hell of a balloon arch, I found out. So I might be, I might now. And I have the calluses from tying about 250 balloons up in my fingers. Um, so yeah, so maybe, maybe I will. Were you, pl- but okay. How were you, you were manual labor assisting in the organization or you were helping to plan? Cause there's a big distinction there. I was manual laboring. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. You just got yourself, but, and, and did it go off smoothly? I, yes, from what I've heard, yes. There were, so it just kept reminding me of, I know we have a bachelor party coming up soon. And all I kept thinking of is, what if we did these for the bachelor party? Like, what would be the reactions? So here are some of the, the things that they did. You tell me what you think. So the first, so obviously it was, just to give some background, it was a bachelorette party for a group of people up in Phoenix who are coming down to Tucson, so about a two-hour drive, to spend like the extended Labor Day weekend in Tucson. They all rented a big house together um, and then just kind of did things you know, throughout the days. So I think the first thing is just renting a big Airbnb. It was like a three-story Airbnb with a hot tub, a pool. It had a mini putting green on the bottom floor. Um, I, that I think would be doable. That would be cool as, as a bachelor. Party. Every bachelorette party needs the, the putting green. Exactly. Yeah. First thing we set up was like a 400 balloon arch that had like a sign that you could all take pictures in front of. Can you picture us doing that? <laughs> the actual manual labor involved in setting it up? No. But if you told me for a fairly reasonable price, you could just buy that. And I think people would. It, it's so we we don't we know the price because at at about one hour in, I said, "Can't we just fucking buy this?" <laughs> and it said it was around four to five hundred dollars. Yeah, so not worth it. But okay, I think if you actually had it, it's probably kind of ironically, people would get some enjoyment out of it. Like it would definitely get used. Okay. The. So one of the, I don't know if it was a game, one of the things they did that I think, I, I think I, we actually mentioned this, we can adapt, is they all picked out a bottle of wine and then kind of ripped up the label and put on their own label and had a story about why this wine goes with whoever the, the bride-to-be is. So like, when did you first meet this person? You know, what's your favorite memory of them? Like, was there like a great trip you had? I think we could do that, but with shots. Yeah, that's doable. I think that would- I think that would be kind of funny. Like, I already know what my shot would be. Actually, I don't. I don't know what my shot 
necessarily be. I know what the name of it would be, and I'd have to see if there's a shot that's actually called that. <laughs> the, the downside, and he doesn't listen, so I can say this, but the downside with the person whose bachelor party we will be attending is I think that would just mean that he was out for the count before the bachelor party even really started. <laughs> so old subsequent events. In fairness, I think it would be a lot of people. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, do we want to whittle the bachelor party down to four people before we even yeah. leave the Airbnb? Yeah. So th- I think that one could be doable. How about afternoon at the pool? Just everyone hanging out at the pool, drinking. I mean, if I were, if we had an Airbnb in a hot environment and then yeah, I think that would be logical. I don't know if I necessarily hot temperature environment. Yeah. No, it's just sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Just Vasilis in a Speedo serving us. Yeah. Is that interesting to you? I think that would be I would probably want to organize some kind of pool games. You know, whether that's Oh, you have to you you so like the idea of just like lounging for five hours, boring, right? I'm I said the same thing. I said, what are you guys gonna do all afternoon? Like we're just gonna hang by the pool. And I said that is so boring to me. I can do like 30 minutes of hanging out around a pool. And then it's like, are we going to do something? Are we going to watch a sport? Yeah. Are we do something here? Well, that's all you would need, right? Like if there was a TV, TV by the pool Big and there's TV. sports games on, then you just. And we're betting live. And you're, you're, gr- you're <laughs> grilling, having some beers. The pool is there. The weather is nice. That sounds like a, okay. a good afternoon. I'm So just got to add sport. <laughs> I do think people in general try and put too many like activities sometimes into bachelor or bachelorette weekends and there is room to just if you rent a nice airbnb spend some time in it get some drinks and enjoy that part of it but yeah i would i would want to have some activities in the pool like a basketball hoop you know you like organize a little tournament oh, yeah. you know like you know you plan out a little t- tournament somewhere put some brackets up for some different events have it get very competitive for a couple of hours but then if someone doesn't really want to take part for a bit and just wants to sit on a pool lounger do, go ahead do we try and film a uh what are they called dude perfect is that the group oh, dude perfect. do we try and film like a video like that of the bachelor party of all of us like lobbing the ball up like off the roof into like the <laughs> into someone's hands backwards and stuff like that yeah so we could watch, end up with just a video of someone falling <laughs> off the roof and dying <laughs> that would be sounds, sounds perfect so there were two other activities that were done, at least that I know of. I mean, another one was they had a night out for dinner with everybody and then went for drinks and partying and stuff like that, which I think everyone's going to do. Um, someone created an entire board game based around the bride and they all played the board game. And it was basically a lot of like drinking and storytelling and some dares and things like that. I think there's no patience for that in a bachelor party. <laughs> Probably not. I think if you did like a quick quiz and it was with alcohol. Oh, like friends. So Exactly. And it was like like, a lightning, like a super lightning round. Yeah. So (laughs) if you're like, this is going to take 20 minutes, you're doing shots. If you get the question wrong, I'll one up you. I'll one up you. What if we did a quiz night out at a pub and we got them to have a round for (laughs) The, the groom so only us knew the answers yeah I'm not sure. <laughs> and everyone else is like who the fuck is this guy <laughs> i'm not sure how that's a good idea you could do it as like a bonus round at the end just have it tacked on and not really have it as part of the quiz that would be kind of funny but the the problem with that still ultimately and this is more a reflection of male friendships i suppose is 
you need the one friend who just knows pretty much every detail. Like you need the Ross character. And yeah. I don't know between you, you could probably come up with some good insider knowledge, but then how do you then have the quiz? If everyone's kind of contributed a lot sure. of the information, you, it's unlikely that you've got this one person who's able to say like, Oh yeah, I can go through questions from age five to age 35. No problem. Yeah. And then the other activity that was done during this bachelor party was a um, private uh, circus Academy lesson. No. Where they did like tightrope walking and the, the ribbon in the air, like spinning thing. No, no, no. You don't want to do that. (laughs) Unless you told me that the people involved had some background, you know, like if we were all, no, not the people. What do you mean? Like if they're like professionals? No. Yeah. Well, I mean, if if they run a circus, (laughs) no, no. The people teaching, obviously, I mean, the people attending, if you're all sort of gymnasts anyway, and you're like, oh, it's cool. We've got this circus act and I can teach us some things. So we're probably going to be pretty good at it, but I don't really want to just watch, you know, people in their late twenties, early thirties fall over themselves, possibly injure themselves. <laughs> all you're doing there is, is doing something stupid to entertain your friends, basically. So you don't like the, or what if like an equivalent of a sport? What if we got a private lesson on cricket we got to go out to the oval for two hours yeah no and they taught us how to bowl and how to hit (laughs) yeah that could be kind of cool like yeah yeah peyton manning stroll up and give a quarterback coaching (laughs) session for two hours (laughs) yeah sure mahomes and kelsey just come out for a few hours and run some routes we try and defend them yeah actually that would be so fun if all of us just tried to defend like travis kelsey on -on one-on-one routes against patrick mahomes and you had like one guy rushing them with like a five second, like a five Mississippi count and then got to rush them. Yeah. <laughs> that would be fun. It would be good for people's takeaway from a bachelor party to be CTE. That would be <laughs> like, the, that's the party, like the kind of weekend favor. No helmets. Yeah, well, <laughs> even better. But yeah. I mean, again, and I also think this is the big thing, right? If that's what you and your friends enjoy, do it. All too often, I find people like trying to do the thing they think a bachelor or bachelorette party should do and just pick events that suit the group of people you're putting together, which can be a little bit of a challenge because obviously there's a strong chance. Do you do you try and match the group or do you match the person? The person has to like it and then but also other people within the group. Like there's no good saying he has this one hobby. We all hate it, but let's go and do it for three hours and be miserable. Like, I don't know if you were really into LARPing and none of us LARP. I, actually, LARPing is probably not a good example because it would probably be. Yeah. <laughs> it probably be, I, I knew it in the back of your head. You're like, actually, I wouldn't mind doing it, it once. It, it would be kind of funny. Yeah, it would be funny. <laughs> and you would definitely get funny moments out of it. So LARPing is not a good example. Right, what about like if we did like they're really into like pottery and like making bowls, ceramic bowls? That again seems okay (laughs) this is the most optimistic i've ever heard you (laughs) i I don't know if you were really into yeah it's tough to think of hobbies like that it feels like they could be mostly pretty interesting it's more the sort of more specific activity if you're super into chess and then we're just gonna everyone's gonna sort of sit down and play chess for a while because you really like it that to me i i'm or like a really big like, like a really long board game yes 
Yeah. I mean, even if you just told me. Like Settlers of Catan or something. Or even like I'm really into Monopoly. We have to play Monopoly on the on this bachelor party. And we have to dress up <laughs> as the character we're being. Oh, so now we're going to LARP Monopoly? This is now what we're doing? <laughs> but yeah. No, it's... um. Yeah, just do whatever enjoys, you know, makes everyone happy, I guess. Speaking of activities, though, last podcast, we spoke about Luis Rubiales' mother's hunger strike. I don't know if you saw. You got an update? Uh, yeah, I have an update. So She's dead. <laughs> well, she started on Monday. Oh, no. <laughs> she started on Monday, right? And uh, she was uh, on Wednesday having locked herself in this church and started this hunger strike, she, that ambulance had to come and get her and take her to hospital. And again, I appreciate, I'm not saying I'm sure she was in a pretty bad state because she's obviously not exactly super young. Wait, wait, how many days? She went Monday to Wednesday. And I don't think that qualifies as a hunger strike. Like That's <laughs> intermittent fasting for some people. That's just, you know, there are people who go through the... Go there. Everyone has a weird friend who sometimes will just say, "Oh, you know, I didn't eat Monday or Tuesday because I forgot." Like we all know someone like that who would be like, "I had a busy day and I just I sort of forgot to eat." And I'm oh, it's Wednesday lunchtime. I'm really hungry, and I just realized it's because I didn't eat yesterday or Monday. You know, they weren't on a hunger strike. I said you have to get a minimum three complete days before you can really start to say hunger strike i think you shouldn't announce it in advance that's my big takeaway from this because you're just setting yourself up for failure because people are going to judge you had it's it's a commitment for a minimum period of time well eddie the question is did the hunger strike work no <laughs> no it's not worked at all i mean things the situation continues to go from bad to worse for him i saw also that his uncle who has also been part of the spanish fa has come out and been highly critical of him and said that he has no interest in the sport and is only using it to increase his uh, sort of standing and that all he cares about is money, women, and, and sort of luxury. And that's, he, went on, he went on an anti-hunger strike. Yes. yes. <laughs> he, he's been going to buffets in protest. <laughs> That'd almost be more impressive. So just, <laughs> Eating a buffet for every meal. I am, Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. No, just lock yourself in a 24-hour all-you-can-eat buffet. Just you have to have a minimum number of plates per hour to justify the the cause. So we will definitely get to our NFL season preview in a little bit. But I think first, why don't we cover not a tremendously busy week in sports, but you had the first official week of college football um, and you had the last week of Premier League for before international break. Um, so an interesting match there, I think, with the Arsenal-United match being the headliner. You have Jude Bellingham scoring again and saving Real Madrid. A goal in each of his first four matches. Do you know the other player in Real Madrid history to do that? Oh, boy. Um, no, I'll guess Ronaldo. Fat Ronaldo. It is Ronaldo. Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> or Fat Ronaldo? Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo. I guess I kind of double. I I I was really thinking of uh, number nine Ronaldo, not not CR seven, but yeah, it was the safest yeah, guess. CR seven. 
Where would you like to start, Eddie? Let's start college football because I kind of just have a rant about it. And I think we can be quick, <laughs> right. right? There's none. First weekend, it's mostly teams playing against, you know, smaller schools that you know they're going to absolutely wipe the floor with them. It's not super interesting from that perspective. The big storyline was Colorado beating TCU, a team who last year had an extremely good season. And I don't think came into the, I'm national runner up. Yeah. Didn't come into this season with tremendously high expectations. Like the thought was TCU would be good, but not that they're going to be a sort of top six ranked team. No, but I don't think anyone would say they were going to be a national champion again. Exactly. I mean, this, you know, questions at quarterback lost a lot from that season. So played Colorado, Deion Sanders, obviously getting tons of attention for what he's doing there in terms of how they're using the transfer portal and NIL deals and attracting tons of players to go to Colorado who yeah. under normal circumstances would never go to play there. Yeah. And and I guess if, uh, real quick though, for anyone who hasn't been following, he went from Jackson state to Colorado and basically I don't say let go, but came in and had about 50% of the entire team turned over from players that were playing at Colorado that entered the transfer portal and left and then getting a bunch of other players. And most notably uh, is Travis Hunter, who was the number one overall recruit last year, committed to Jackson State, and then Dion left Jackson State, so he followed him to Colorado. Uh, before you ran on Dion, I have to say, if th this kid can hold on what he's doing, it's pretty impressive. So he's playing both ways, which you don't see anymore. Not even in college football, you don't see. He played 145 snaps at cornerback and receiver. So it's not like he's lineman, you know, where he's like moving five feet. He's sprinting up and down the field almost every play and had an interception on defense uh, in the red zone, a really nice interception, and had over 100 yards receiving and I think a touchdown on offense. So really impressive. That'll be cool to see if he can do that throughout the whole year because it just for me you have to think of heisman we'll talk about how colorado does but like with how few players play both ways if you can be a good player playing both ways you automatically have to be in consideration for the heisman just for the feat of doing that no yeah i think i would agree with you assuming colorado or at least say like five go 500 so you can yeah. say that you contributed to a somewhat good season i think yeah. that's fair and he's a freshman i mean it's crazy yeah it's cool that'll be fun to watch and, but and colorado talk to me about Dion, eddie <laughs> yeah so so much i dislike about him overall at the moment just the overall like attitude cockiness sort of i already i always hate people who make a big deal out of uh sort of wanting you to listen to them wanting to be sort of authority figures in any range of roles, but then also a big part of their personality is I don't care what you think about me and I don't care what you say, which is what he's constantly saying to the press, for example. Like, I'm going to tell you how it is. I want you to all repeat the things I want you to repeat, but I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what you say. It's like, well, obviously you do yeah. because you're trying to- But then if you don't talk about us, you're going to say, no one ever talks yes. about us. Yeah. Not that I care what you say, yes. but no one ever talks about Colorado. Yeah. And <laughs> when they are praising you, you're going to make sure everyone knows how much you're being praised. So that bit bothers me, but whatever. A ton of people are guilty of that. I don't like the fact that he's just referred to as Coach Prime so consistently. Like that just <laughs> you're such a loser to be a man in your fifties who's getting referred to by a nickname like that. Like that's pathetic. 
Yeah, I mean, I get them confused with Coach Optimus Prime all the time when I say <laughs> Coach Prime. I mean, at, at least say Coach Sanders, right? I mean, like, I just, I could, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd have to laugh. Like, if someone, if I had a new colleague and they just said, oh, just call me, you know, just, <laughs> just call me Prime. That's what people have always called me. I, no matter how you could justify it through previous achievements, I couldn't take you seriously. So there's that bit. And then. So here, wait, here's my question for that. I actually think that Dion is, is a pretty intelligent person. And I, like, I don't think he's doing that naively and being like, oh, everyone just calls me prime. I, I think he's definitely laying into it as a promotional tactic for sure. I don't disagree with you. I think he's very clever and I think everything he's doing has some uh, foresight. Like I think he is from a branding marketing perspective, trying to make sure he gets as much coverage, probably also knowing that me hating him being called coach prime prime or coach prime is more useful than someone being indifferent or not paying attention. So it is one of those things of having extreme reactions to what you do. It's kind of beneficial and apathy is the, the worst possible outcome. So I do understand, but that bit just bothers me. And then it's all of the other little things associated. I mean, we both noticed and, and we spoke about it off podcast, the decision to not have the players wear C's for captain on their jerseys and instead <laughs> to have L's and D's. I actually don't mind the decision. Someone saying we've removed captain and the L stands for leaders and we're using that instead. That actually doesn't matter. But bother. Eddie, what does the D stand for? The D stands for dogs. <laughs> and that thing. <laughs> and to be clear there, D-A-W-G. That is so corny. Like if you put that in a Disney movie, I would be embarrassed for the the writers. Now can you can you ha- can you be L D? Can you be Larry David? Can you be a leader <laughs> and a dog at the same time? <laughs> Probably, yeah. But and again, I don't mind. The L actually doesn't bother me. Because you could try and tell me, like, we're, it's not about cap. We, we need leaders in this locker room. And this is a way of acknowledging. And he could tell me this way we could have everyone could get an L. Like, captain implies that we identify you're the quarterback. a couple of specific people. And in this yeah. situation, if I think you're now become a leader, I stick an L on your chest. And the way I want it, I want every single player to have an L. That, to me, would be yeah. fine. But the dog spin. I mean... <laughs> be hard for me I, i'm trying to imagine if i were playing there and he came and tried to stick a d on my chest i oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man we didn't even get into our nfl preview yet and you're already calling out odell beckham <laughs> <laughs> yeah i um i think it would make me uncomfortable so but it will be interesting to see you know, and definitely look. The, the other thing that bothers me about this, to a, an extent, is he's so committed to this turning around programs, and you know, likes to talk up how he's going to turn Colorado into a powerhouse. And but we all know deep down, right? Like if two years from now Alabama come knocking on the door and offer Deion Sanders the head coaching job there, 
he's going to up roots and be in Alabama and take any talent he has in Colorado there because we've just watched him do it. And that's the other thing that kind of bothers me about it, especially when you are dealing with college students, people at that critical age in their development, where I do feel like as a coach, one of the, you can tell me why one of the reasons why college coaches get paid such astronomical sums of money is because they should be making this big commitment to actually helping people to improve their lives and development and maturity and stuff in addition to coaching them to be better football players and for him to kind of abandon a previous project not that long into it because a bigger job came along after you've built this persona of you know of being someone who wants to be go against the grain and build success in places you don't expect to see it well it feels like you're just have a great narrative surrounding exactly the same thing every other college coach does, which is working your way up the ladder until a huge school comes along and, and offers you a job. Yeah. The other thing the what bothered me most about it is it's the first week in college football. College football is a sport notorious for teams getting off to slow starts or not finding their offense or not even knowing who their QB is going to be at that stage because they haven't played enough games yet or enough practices. It's the first week of the college football season. The team you played had three turnovers in the red zone and a missed field goal by all accounts should have won by double digits granted. Okay. Some of those turnovers were nice plays by Colorado, but you kind of, you kind of got lucky with that win and it's the first week of the season and you're, you have a pretty decently tough schedule. Like, I get that you want to say, you know, people thought we would be underdogs. You know, we were underdogs in this match. Yeah, of course you were. You're, you're playing the running, the national runner-up, and you're a team that had two wins last year. You're going to be an underdog. You can celebrate it, but the fact that it's like, no one thought we'd be anything, and look at us now. Look at us now. Now, now who are the doubters? You played one fucking game. You still might lose your next nine. They could go one and nine this year and it wouldn't be surprising. Like you won one game in your first week. Just tone it down a little. Say you had a great game. You know, yes, we were underdogs. Maybe we shouldn't have been. People need to be on the lookout now. You don't say everyone that you've proved the doubters wrong by winning one game. No, yeah, I 100% agree with you because you are just setting yourself up for the backlash when things do go slightly wrong. And yeah, it's not as if they went into... They didn't go and what happens when they lose by 50 to USC? Yeah. Then then what's what's what are you gonna spin now? <laughs> no, I do agree. What with about that. when Caleb Williams throws 700 oh, yards okay. on, on Travis Hunter? <laughs> but no, I do agree with you in that respect. And there was a lot of I told you. You no one believed me. I told you what we would do. And you're right. It's it's one game into the season. It would be like if Luton had beaten Manchester City in the opening match this season and then come out and said, everyone thought we were going to be relegated, but we sh- we've shown you guys. Yeah. And then ended up finishing on 22 points and going down, but had this yeah. cool memory of beating Manchester City. And that would be a bigger achievement than what Colorado pulled off. I mean, I think TCO, TCU were like six and a half point favorites, something like that. I mean, they were favorites, but it wasn't. I think they were a little more. I think they were like 10. Uh, but it wasn't like a college game where you see where their team is 42-point yeah. favorites and you know there's you can't even bet the money line. You know, this was okay, this is one team is a little bit better, but it's not inconceivable to see the other one winning. Like that was the most people's assessment. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It wasn't like the Oregon Ducks who won 81 to 7. 
and the tradition for the Ducks is the mascot has to do push-ups every time they score for what that score is every time they score. That poor mascot did 546 push-ups that, that, that game. Nice. Which in the duck suit's got to be a challenge. That's a hell of a workout. <laughs> that is definitely an off-day Sunday for that person. That poor soul. 546 push-ups in a duck suit. But yeah, I guess that pretty much wraps up college football coverage. Obviously, we'll dedicate a little bit more time to that uh, as the season goes on and some bigger games come up. From the Premier League side of things, I think you're right. There weren't too many huge stories. A nice win for Spurs as that sort of mini-revolution continues, although they're not beating particularly impressive opponents. City just... You're not in yet. I'm not going to ask you yet. We just talked about it last week. Give it a few more weeks. Yeah. City just continue to look kind of a class above, especially when you put that into the perspective of it's a team Arsenal struggled against the week before and they just sweep them aside. Um, to quote one of your favorite movies, Eddie, Erling Holland is inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> the, the two big talking points, I guess, obviously the Manchester United uh, Arsenal match or Arsenal Manchester United, I suppose, with Arsenal scoring two late goals to win it 3-1 after Manchester United had a goal disallowed not long before a match that was really on a knife edge. I don't think it was a particularly impressive performance from either team, but still for all I thought it was a fun match. It was fun, but it wasn't. You didn't... I mean, it's, it's not impressive because it was just like blown defense back and forth, you know, like consistently. No, no one was really playing any positioning. Yeah. The last 30 minutes, but it was fun to watch for sure. No, it was fun. It just, you didn't walk away from that thinking one of these teams could win the title. Like that wasn't my assessment. And, but it does feel like a big win for Arsenal because I think on the back of the Fulham draw, if they'd then drawn at home, okay, albeit to a, big, a good team, he still would have felt like, okay, that gap, is, that gap is already growing to City and things don't look totally right. And this sort of makes up for the draw, I suppose, against Fulham because you'd say they probably would have taken four points from those two fixtures in a sense. So it's not as bad as things looked with... Yeah three minutes to go in that match. And then and a good, I think a good goal by Declan Rice to kind of, yeah, not, not a good goal in the sense that it was a pretty goal by any standard, but I think a good goal to kind of kind of get yourself into that team a little bit, you know, like you, you're paid a ton of money to come here and, you know, boom, you, you score the game winner against United at home sure. early in the season. I think that for him will be really good. Yeah, no, and yeah, it's nice to get that sort of, you know, monkey off your back in terms of worrying. He's not expected to contribute a ton of goals, but yeah, to just get that out of the way so that people don't say still hasn't scored. You'd have to be super critical of the Manchester United defending. The fact that, A, I don't really know how he's has that much space at the back post from that situation. And then no one really tries he takes an age to actually get his shot away and no one space and time <laughs> no one really tries to close him down all that much no and it just manages to go through a you know three manchester united defenders or takes a deflection that means that it goes in i think you'd be highly highly critical of uh the defending there i think you know that's that's the real takeaway for me and then the big fallout from that match Jaden Sancho, who Eric Ten Hag has been critical of, then came out and sort of spoke publicly 
through Twitter about his own frustrations and that he was being treated as a scapegoat for the things at Manchester United, at which point uh, Manchester United and Eric Ten Hag have come out and said that he should not speak publicly on those issues. I do think it's a bit interesting that Eric Ten Hag is allowed to speak publicly on all of these issues, but that his players can't. <laughs> like, I do think there's a little bit of hypocrisy there from, from that perspective. And then the real talking point of the Premier League for me, the Duke of Curse is in full effect. Newcastle just <laughs> falling apart ever since you... Unbelievable. You waxed lyrical about how exciting they were to watch, how they're going to be your team of the season, and I think they've lost every match since then. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's only been two, but Still. it hasn't been good. <laughs> I know. It hasn't been good. I was very disappointed in their performance this weekend. Um, I might have to return my jersey back to mainland China <laughs> once it arrives in two months. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I sure, yeah. But no, that's. Uh, I think, well, I, you know, I thought, I thought you were going to mention, you know, another big match and another. I think you can't not talk about VAR again in Arsenal and, and United, where there was a penalty called on the field, on the pitch that was ruled off from VAR and a goal that was ruled offside from VAR. And I mean, those were two could have been defining moments in that match. I mean, I think if United go up 2-1, I think they probably hold on and win that match. Probably, yeah. Although based on how they defended the type of <laughs> maybe not. Uh, yeah, I mean, the penalty is the con- is the sort of somewhat controversial decision. I think if I were an Arsenal supporter, I would have wanted that to stay as a penalty. You can, you can Yes, you can say he creates the contact, like his leg kind of s- swings out to the left and... and he and got smushed like a sandwich. He did. And it, <laughs> I mean, ultimately, right, you can't force yourself through a gap that isn't there. That would be the argument. I mean, you can't you can't just create a penalty by trying to squeeze yourself in between two players and then claiming that you were blocked. I mean, they can't disappear, right? So if it's a position they were just naturally in to start with, it makes sense that it isn't a penalty. It's just one of those ones that's a bit difficult because by the initial eye test, it just looks a penalty all day long. Yeah. And yes, you start to review when you it. slow it down into yeah. <laughs> like infinitesimally small and like, periods. In a sense, I feel like an attacking player should sort of be rewarded for the skill of being able to work their way between two players and putting defenders in impossible positions. There's sort of part of me that thinks, no, it feels right that that's even though they haven't done anything wrong, that it's kind of is a foul. Like that doesn't that doesn't. I guess ultimately, I can see logic behind either decision and it doesn't really bother me but obviously if that had been like the final of the world cup in the last minute and england are having a penalty sort of taken away from them i'd probably be pretty furious i'd be looking at that saying come on like that's for all of football history that's sort of being given as a penalty really yeah you know and i think we can transition this into the nfl by saying to me the VAR offside is a pretty cut and dry, whether you like that rule or not. And whether you think him being that small offside had any advantage or just, you know, like, did it have any outcome? I don't think so. You know, he was gone no matter what, but it's a cut and dry rule. The penalty not given to me is what could happen. I think if the NFL goes for review for almost everything where you see like a pass interference. And I know now they can kind of uh, have reviews on pass interference, but it has to be like really deliberate. But if you're getting into the nitty gritty of, well, it kind of looks like 
he touches him with his arm. But when you actually look at it from this angle, he kind of really doesn't touch him that much. So, you know, like if we break it down and stop it at every single 0.1 second, you know, like, it, and that is what I really hope doesn't happen in the NFL. And that's what is kind of disappointing when you're watching that, that match. It's a really good match. And just by the naked eye, you know, it's, that's a penalty. It is, it, it, it should be called, it was called on the field and it should have, it should have stood. And if that's what starts happening in the NFL, it could be a disaster because the NFL is even more uh, like holding penalties. You know, every player could be holding on every play. If you really want to go and review. I'm a big believer that we should not watch replays in slow motion. I think they should be seen as from as many angles as you have available, but in real time, because I think ultimately if, with that assistance from technology, you can't make a clear decision that something was wrong, then you shouldn't be really changing it. And also just the way things look so radically different in slow motion at times to, I think we've all could think of examples of things that have been reviewed in a variety of sports where the slow motion seems to alter the perception you have of what you know basically happened. And so I see nothing wrong with someone saying, yeah, we'll give you every camera angle available, but you're going to watch this at the same speed you saw it the first time around. And if you then think this was a clear mistake because a different angle provides you with different context, that's okay. But you shouldn't be slowing it down frame by frame and then deciding, oh, well, you know, how much contact was there really there? Was that enough to push them off balance? Because people falling looks different in slow motion. You kind of lose all sense of uh, how much impact was there because you no longer have, you, you don't get that sort of smooth view of, wow, he, hit, he ran into him really hard there. It looks completely different in slow motion. So obviously not for offside or these like sort of black and white decisions. But yeah, for everything else, I think it should just be in real time. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we and, as you said, I'm sure we've got an NFL season ahead of us that will be filled with controversial calls and no calls. It ended, the last season ended with a somewhat controversial decision right at the end of the Super Bowl. And it's a good way for us to transition onto how we think this NFL season will go. Cue your sound. Do you got anything on your soundboard for, for NFL season preview? <laughs> That is a sound that just brings me so much joy and anxiety at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a sound that will accompany a lot of disappointment and excitement this season. Yeah. So where do we start? Well, I want to start, Eddie, with the NFL quarterback. Now, this is will be the first season, not first, but I think the first real season without Tom Brady. At quarterback, long are the days of Peyton Manning, and I think Aaron Rodgers is one foot into the grave at this point. And we'll see when I get to my Jets preview what I think about how much Aaron Rodgers has left in the tank. So I pulled up the last about seven years of the NFL draft and pulled out all the quarterbacks that have some sort of impact on their team right now. I'm going to go through them. You tell me what you think maybe are the two best classes 
and the two worst classes. Okay. Okay. I'm yep. not going to do last year because we don't know anything about last year. So we'll go back to 21. That was Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask. The year before that, 2020, you had Joe Burrow, Tua, Herbert, Jordan Love, Jalen Hurts, and Huntley. The year before that, 19, you had Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, and Gardner Minshew. The year before that, you had Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Rosen, Lamar Jackson, and Mike White. The year before that, you had Trubisky, Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. And then one last year, 2016, you had Goff, Wentz, Jacoby Brissett, and Dak Prescott. Okay, so the most impressive year is probably the Mahomes year or the Josh Allen year because you have a couple of decent quarterbacks in each of those classes. So Mahomes was Mahomes, uh, Deshaun Watson, and Trubisky. Yeah, so I mean, we have to see how Deshaun Watson does now fully back underway, but you'd say... Obviously, you have Mahomes, so you have multiple Super Bowl wins already out of that draft class, so that kind of helps. And then assuming Deshaun Watson is at least going to be a playoff-caliber quarterback, that's a pretty good one-two punch. I, 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 love, I love how we're starting right out of the gate, that you're just completely disrespecting the Burrow, Tua, Herbert, Jalen Hurts year. I'd put that second. Okay. Because ulti- ultimately, right, you've got no Super Bowl wins out of that. So you only three years removed. Only three years removed, but you have Joe Burrow kind of proved himself already, I would say. Jalen Hurts probably has, but I kind of do want to see one more season from him to show that he's on a, you know, just a powerhouse team. So I need to really see that he is the reason why the Eagles are so good and not just because they're kind of stacked in pretty much every position and he's a good quarterback. Like I'm not doubting the fact that he's good and he's going to have a nice NFL career, but just in terms of trying to put him into that really elite category. And then just behind that would be the Josh Allen. What was that? Lamar Jackson, Baker, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Cause I mean, from that you have, you have an, you have an MVP. Yeah. And you have two Super Bowl contending quarterbacks, basically. You would you would say. Um, I mean, Herbert. You, we and I, you and I disagree a little bit on Herbert, right? To me, this is a big season for Justin Herbert because this is where he can either start to fulfill some of the potential that everyone has just penciled in for him already in terms of what his NFL career is going to look like. Or this is where he starts to evolve into Philip Rivers 2.0 and maybe not even <laughs> that and maybe not even that good. Of like he's gonna put up some big numbers. He's gonna have the occasional game that's pretty extraordinary to watch, but push come to shove, he's not winning you a Super Bowl. And I'm But you can only do so much with Brandon Staley as your coach, I think, at this point. <laughs> you say that, but I think the elite quarterbacks win Super Bowls almost regardless 
you know, obviously someone like Tom Brady. Yeah. Okay. The partnership with Bill Belichick was crucial and he comes, he came about in in kind of a unique way, but I think Brady could have left the New England Patriots a lot sooner and gone almost anywhere and probably won the Super Bowl if he'd been there for enough time. I think Peyton Manning, same. I think you could put Mahomes onto almost any team in the NFL and they instantly become Super Bowl contenders. So there's a moment with Justin Herbert here where it's it's not like the team around him is totally awful. There's a moment where it's like, this is cool. This is fun. You get to be the sort of frisky, feisty team in your division. and But then you go to playoff games and just absolutely shit the bed. So, you know, at some point, as bad as the play calling might be, as bad as some of the weapons around him might be, as much as they get a lot, they suffer from a lot of injuries. But you find yourselves in yourselves in situations where you're in kind of can't lose positions in games, then don't lose. As a quarterback, you, you know he's he's been in a number of games where it's needed one more play from him to seal the game, and at that point, he just can't deliver. Sometimes, wow, shots fired already. <laughs> Just really getting to rile me up. Worse, though, I think, is a debate between Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, and Gardner Minshew versus Goff, Wentz, Brissett, and Dak. Well, I think Goff and Wentz can't be conceived seen as worse because ultimately Jared Goff was played in a Super Bowl. And so is, technically, so is. And Not Wentz played, is- but... Wentz is technically a Super Bowl winner. Yeah, so, Super Bowl champion. You know, you've it's hard. Like Goff has aged badly, but came into the league was pretty good originally, and at least can hold down his place as like an NFL starter. Whereas most of the names you mentioned there are <laughs> either completely out of the league or certainly not in consideration to be a starter anywhere. Yeah. I mean the thing that I push up against with the the golf draft class is by this point you should have established to be like a top five or 10 QB. You've been around a while, you know, you're a veteran and there's really like golf is the best. Well, Dak, I guess you could say is probably the best veteran on that team. What what year was that then? 2016. And what year was Justin Herbert drafted? 2020. Okay. So you're giving how many years does Herbert have left before he has to be absolutely settled then as a top five quarterback before you start to, you think so? I I think so. Yeah. I don't think he is. So we go Mahomes number one. Oh, we're doing this already. I love it. (laughs) You're going Mahomes number one. Do I, I'll do just a head to head. So you have to pick. Because rather than rank them, we'll just go. Who is he? So Josh Allen or Justin Herbert? Who's who are you taking? Allen. This is going to be the tough one for you. Lamar Jackson or Justin Herbert? Who are you? Justin taking? Herbert. This is personal preference over. When was sound. Lamar Jackson's best year? Four years ago. Well, and when was Justin Herbert's best year? You get to see it. You know, most like first three seasons in the NFL. Most yards in history, second most touchdowns in history. Cool. 
but not the most <laughs> but not the most wins right like that's the one the category we ultimately really care about um i'll go burrow then joe burrow um we know yeah. who you're taking over justin herbert jalen hurts justin herbert i i don't know i both you and I are very on the fence about Jalen Hurts, and I don't know if we're in the extreme minority of that or not. But Hurts has the best talent, talented roster, I think, in the NFL. I think the Eagles might have the best roster in the NFL. Probably, yeah. So I think a lot of his his stats are slightly inflated. I think I would take Herbert over Hurts. I mean, the question you guys you'd have to ask yourself, the easiest way to kind of do this is if you stick Justin Herbert on the Eagles, do they make the Woo! Super Bowl? Oh boy, that's an undefeated team. <laughs> <laughs> and if you take, uh, you know, if you then take, so are we? You're saying if you take Jalen Hurts and you stick him on the Chargers, are they? Do they suddenly drop out of being a playoff team? I think they probably don't. I think he probably. I think they're, they, yeah, I think they're probably level. And then we get into some tough decisions here, right? Because. Obviously, there's going to be some age reasons. Like Aaron Rodgers is obviously a better quarterback than Justin Herbert, but in 2023, no, is he a better? You know, like the, no. you get into this complicated <laughs> decision of career versus current ability. Same way that like Russell Wilson, clearly from a career perspective, yes, but yeah, this season, no. Yeah, how about Trevor? He's Lawrence? right there. He's right there at five. I'm not going to say he's top three. And then here's the real Brock Purdy. Never lost a game. Where are you putting oh, him? God. <laughs> I'm not biting on Brock Purdy yet. <laughs> not until we get to the Niners. <laughs> Sam Darnold? Top 10? Oh, God. Stop. All right. So which division then shall we kick things off with? Oof. Um... Do we want to do like what we think are best or worst to start? Because there are two divisions in the NFL right now that I don't really want to talk about. <laughs> Let's start with the positive, the, the more interesting ones so that listeners don't have to, if they okay. don't want, hopefully they stick in for the entire episode. And this is a great opportunity for us to say, if you're a new listener, please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're using. Leave us a review, give us a rating, follow us on social media, search for us and find us there. It's a big cool big chill podcast but let's start with the positive so that they get the the juicy bits of the preview right off the bat i'll give you i'll give you one then i think is a slight positive it's not the best division nfl but i think it's a very debatable division and that's the nfc north so that is the lions the packers the vikings and the bears i think okay. there are three teams in that division that could easily win that division i think that's yeah. a pretty good one to debate okay so which team should we start for with out of those? Do we do our we do you want to kick things off? Do we do a little bit of team by team and then we'll do our individual predictions for how we think that division is going to finish? In which case, I'll let you pick the first team from within that division to to get us going. Yeah, so just I'll give the odds real quick. Uh, the Lions are favored to win this division, then the Vikings, then the Packers, then the Bears are outside. Um so I guess let's start with the Lions. They're favored. This, this is a team on paper that could be a really good team. 
but they're just with the backdrop of being the Detroit Lions. And I know that's not something that should scare you, but it kind of scares me. You know, they are the Detroit Lions and they have been a notoriously bad team for a very long time. And yes, they won eight out of their last 10 last year. Fairly easy schedule in that. I mean, I think they were actually favorites in a few of those games. So it wasn't as if they were coming out of nowhere. It was a pretty weak way to end their schedule. But, you know, they their secondary was weak. They went out and signed some really good, two good cornerbacks and then got uh, Gardner Johnson. Uh, so, you know, I think they have a stronger d- defense now. Their offense looked pretty good. They added Jameer Gibbs from Alabama, the rookie running back. In a division that's not very strong, I I think they're going to win the division. Do I think do I think they're a strong playoff contender? No, but I think they win this division. I think they're the safest bet to win this division. And you're right. I mean, my fear with them, it's not because they're the Detroit Lions. My fear is a little bit of the sort of recency bias, the impact that the final few games of the season has on your optimism coming into this year. And in a sense, I know that they'll say you can carry some momentum forward from one season to the next, but it kind of doesn't really matter. Like if they'd started the season well and finished it poorly, does that really change their prospects all that significantly for this year? It just leaves this kind of nice taste in your mouth from the end of last season and being like, well, the Lions are a team on the up, but now they have to start from scratch again. And yeah, you look at the positives, they have the 11th easiest strength of schedule. So again, a relatively... You know, they should be able to pick up a lot of wins without being great. They have, you know, they scored the fifth most points in the NFL last season. I'm sure they'll continue. They're a fun team to watch. My slight fear for them in some respects, just getting things underway against the Chiefs. You maybe start 0-1, and not that the doubts will start to creep in there, but it could, it already changes the mentality slightly. Like, you Ideally, you do really want to win in that first week of the season. So I agree with you. Safe pick to win the division, but I wouldn't be stunned if they didn't. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I think the other important thing saying that they've won eight out of their last 10 is that they didn't have a huge turnover on players lost. So you have a team that had been winning that is bringing back that same team. And Dan Campbell, who's a very outspoken coach, another year under him, you know, maybe they build up a little more. I'll also say they are fourth favorite in the NFC to win the NFC championship game, which I think at yeah, 10 to one uh, is insane. That's outrageous <laughs> for, yeah, that's outrageous. I mean, that would be a massive leap forward for them. Yeah. The, I, the realistic improvement here. And again, it kind of goes back to the conversation we just had. They also still have Jared Goff as their quarterback. Yep. I mean, you're not getting elite. He was very good. They scored a lot of points, but you are Goff getting, makes me nervous. You're he makes you elite, yeah, you're not getting a <laughs> totally elite quarterback play there, so it's tough. Yeah. All right, let's go to the Packers next, because this, to me, is a very question mark team. They have a decent roster. I mean, they obviously they lost Aaron Rodgers. Big loss, maybe. You know, five years ago, definitely. I think we both thought Rodgers kind of fell a little bit last year in, in productivity. You have Jordan Love coming in, which is identical to the situation in 2008 when Rodgers replaced Brett Favre, who left. And since 1950, Eddie, the most touchdown passes by a quarterback in his fourth career season 
after starting one or fewer games in their first three seasons is 28 touchdown passes. And that was done by Aaron Rodgers. So a very, very specific statistic to match Jordan Love to Aaron Rodgers. Will we get the next incarnation of, of, I guess, Brett Favre, you could say, you know, Favre to Rodgers now to Love? I don't know. But he has a good, decent offensive line. He has limited weapons, but, you know, good coach. Their defense is strong. They, uh, you know, they have a pretty strong defense. They can run the ball pretty well. I think they were like top five or top 10 in in their offensive line run block. So he's not going to start for a bad team. I just don't know what to make of them right now. You know, without having seen him play, I can't for sure say that they are better than the Lions. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think it's too big of a question mark. And it could be the upside with them, I think, is higher than the upside with the Lions in that sense. Like the ability for them to make a strong leap forward, for him to be a serviceable quarterback from effectively day one, uh, you know, would be important. Slight, it wouldn't be unprecedented, right? I know that very specific statistic you just pulled up, but you know, we live in a world nowadays where rookie quarterbacks or inexperienced NFL quarterbacks can be good from as soon as they get the, the starting job. Like, that's and if anything, you'd argue having been in the NFL for a while, having got used to his surroundings, being very familiar with the playbook, having some sort of established relationship with a lot of the players that he's working with can only help him. Like his chance of succeeding in, in year one as a starter is higher than, you know, Trevor Lawrence's was last year, you know? So I think, I think they'll be all right, but yeah, I, I don't even think they're going to finish second. If in my prediction, I don't have them finishing second in the division, but yeah, they have the possibility. This, and when we look at the strength of schedule, again, theirs is relatively easy. Part of that is helped by the division because you're kind of yeah. <laughs> you're getting a chunk of games against non-elite teams. But yeah, I think I have them finishing uh, third in the division. Yeah, and I have them that's finishing my, second. And maybe Sorry. that's our way then of transitioning to the team who I think would finish second and who I believe you probably have third, which Chicago is Chicago Bears, <laughs> Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. Yeah, so the stat I have here, Eddie, that's I think pretty impressive is they've lost both Dalvin Cook and uh, Adam Adam Thielen. Last year, one of them was on the field for 94% of the plays. So 1,059 out of the 1,120 plays they ran, one of those two were on the field. So that is a huge loss to lose both of them. However, I mean... You still got a decent defense. You got, I think that's going to be a little bit of their issue is they lost to Darius Smith as well. Um, and their defense has never been their strong suit. But you have Justin Jefferson. You have Jordan Addison now. Uh, another great, I think is going to be a great wide receiver coming out of USC. You have Kirk Cousins, who I think is a good QB. I mean, I think maybe we put him in close to that top five QBs. You know, always gets doubted, never, never put up there, but he's consistent. And I think he's good. Um, anyone who watched quarterbacks knows he pretty much breathes football and that's all he really cares about. So he has a lot of pride in, in his play. I just don't think they have the talent on that roster, especially defensively. I think they're going to let up a shit ton of points. All fair points. I guess if I were going to, and I have them finishing second, 
I wouldn't be stunned if they won the division. I know I'm pretty much saying that. I'm saying that about all teams apart from the Chicago Bears in this division. Yeah. No, I but agree. And I, and I agree with you completely on that. This is a tough division. To be kind of devil's advocate about, you know, if we go into the Deion Sanders, people not believing in us, they went 13 and four last season. Yeah. <laughs> and so even if, let's say they are two games worse than they were last season, that probably wins the division. You know, and nine and zero, I think, in one score games, right? Yeah, and and Justin Jefferson's still there, and that's, you know, arguably the best wide receiver in the league. So, you know, they kind of can keep doing what they were doing last year. So, you know, how big of a drop off are you expecting from thirteen and four, nine and nine and eight? All of a sudden, you know, that's a pretty significant, uh, you know. I, I'll, I'll double, advo- double devil's advocate you. How many times did we think the Vikings sucked last year, even though they went and had 13 wins? I think easily in that season, they could have had eight or nine wins. And then you're talking about a team. Is it going from seven wins from only having nine the year before? Is that that far of a drop off? <laughs> and also, speaking of teams like the Lions leaving a, you know, positive impression towards the end of the season it's it's very difficult to forget their playoff defeat to the giants and in particular the final play of that game but they were they had a chance of winning that game so we could also be talking about a team who not only had a good record in the regular season but also you know had a decent playoff run had they not sort of let that game slip in the fourth quarter so again i don't know i'm I think the the Lions are the safe bet, but I think it's very tight between them and the and the Vikings. Yeah, and then lastly, we have the Bears. Um, so their big move this year was trading the number one pick away to Carolina for DJ Moore, who is a good receiver, but I don't think is that good of a receiver to boost the Bears enough to be a contender in any form I, I mean a contender and being a 500 team a contender no nowhere near being a division contender um fields ran for 1100 yards second most ever for qb but he cannot throw the ball <laughs> uh and you know his accuracy has been an issue his entire career so far i don't think one receiver is going to change that they didn't i heard this is a good stat they were one of only two teams in the nfl did not have a wide receiver with at least 500 yards receiving. In today's NFL, that is crazy to think about. That could be like three good games for a receiver. I mean, Justin Jefferson could probably get that in his first three games of the season. And you have a guy in 16 games, 17 games that can't get that. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't see anything for the Bears. Yeah, I'll be quick on this one. I'm not a Justin Fields believer. I think last season I predicted them to be the in our the worst team in the NFL. I kind of backtracked a little bit on that early in the season where they looked like they might be better than I thought, especially obviously they had that sort of monsoon win against the 49ers, which looked very good at the time. And there's a number of asterisks that you kind of have to attach to that particular win. In the end, they pretty much were the worst team in the NFL last season. I mean, not even just from a record standpoint, but just quality of play. And yeah, there's, there's not many reasons to believe that they're going to get significantly better this time around. 
So yeah, again, I have Lions, Packers, Vikings, Bears, and only the Lions making the playoffs. And I will basically agree with you, but flip the Packers and the Vikings. So just the Lions. Yeah, and then just the Lions making the playoffs. I guess let's you want to just continue the NFC. Let's do it. All right. So NFC West. Let's let's get into it right now. Uh, San Francisco 49ers, Los Angeles Rams, Arizona Cardinals, Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I'll let you start it off. (laughs) Well, I'm going to pick the San Francisco 49ers to win the division. I don't think that surprises you or anyone. And that isn't just because I have my, you know, Niners red tinted glasses on but it's actually because i think they are the best team in this division and kind of along the lines of the eagles in terms of just strength across the board one of the best teams in the nfl um this is a division that obviously for most of the time that we've been doing this podcast we've always identified as being one of the toughest divisions in the in the in the nfl and all of a sudden it looks pretty weak you've gone from you know we had discussions i think even just last year of could all four teams from this division make the playoffs and now it's difficult they almost to did ima- <laughs> yeah now it's difficult to imagine you know the rams seem to be terrible uh you know i the th- cardinals are maybe going to be one of the worst teams in the league i just think you have to expect that the 49ers will be continue to be really good at what they're good at which is their defense is always good obviously slight concern because you do have a change in defensive coordinator and but that doesn't hasn't does not seem to have sort of disrupted them you know that seems to be almost every offseason now they lose their defensive coordinator and then you know they can just run the ball extremely well big question marks would be for me obviously brock purdy i don't expect him to just keep winning every game that he starts and finishes but still you know and coming off an injury Coming off an injury, but just also, you know, that was everything kind of fell into place for him last season and things are not going to be as smooth. Just the, you know, things are not that easy. So there are going to be some rough patches. There's going to be pressure on him. There's going to be people waiting to say that they were right to doubt him first time around. So that's going to be a little bit of a challenge. And then just can key players stay healthy? You like to make fun of me for the fact that every year we talk about the Niners injury chart and, oh, just the Niners are so unlucky, but there are some players there who have a history of getting injured pretty consistently and they need a decent number of them to avoid that for most of the season, including now at the quarterback position. So those, that would be my big question mark, but I expect them to be one of the best teams in the league. No surprise here. I'll, a little bit of a spoiler alert. I'm going to be predicting them to win the NFC. So there's that. And yeah, I've got them winning the division. Yeah, I definitely think they're a top three team in the NFC, without a doubt. I think there's actually a, a cutoff after those top three, which I'll get into what they are later. But um, I also have them winning the division. They were Their defense is returning eight starters. So a defense that's solid is bringing home almost everyone. And they've added Javon Hargrave, who was a double-digit sack uh, in in Philadelphia. So they're only making their defense better, which is scary. I only have one concern, Eddie, and it's not Brock Purdy. I think I think you're going to see a slight regression with Brock Purdy 
from the simple standpoint that he went undefeated and couldn't do anything wrong. So I think he's going to come down to earth a little bit. But Robbie Gould, gone. And then they drafted a kicker who hasn't looked good in preseason and is now injured. Robbie Gould, Eddie, has not missed a field goal or an extra point in 68 postseason attempts. He's been perfect in the postseason. That is a worry going into a, a where I think obviously the Niners will make the postseason. Yeah, I mean he missed plenty of them in the regular season, and he missed some hey, key ones in the regular season too. But Eddie, wins are all that matters, and playoff is all that matters, Eddie. Yeah, I mean even last year I can remember him missing what should have been a chip shot game winning uh, uh, field goal against the Raiders, and then having the team having to go to overtime to win that game. Uh, kickers never concern me that much because yeah, if this oh until they do. <laughs> But even good kickers, unless you're telling me, you know, there's one kicker in this league who I think is a game-changing kicker, and everybody else misses kicks sometimes, and ultimately, if this rookie is not good enough, you just cut him, and you find you go and sign a veteran kicker. Like, that's... Oh, here we go. You've just set up Niners lose Super Bowl, miss 30-yard field goal. There it is. I, I, and look, if they need one... What are the odds on that? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ready and waiting. I would be just, you know, money from inside 45. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll give you one more good stat I found. George Kittle has not had a 1,000-yard receiving season since 2019. Part of, that will be down, part of that will be down to injury. And then yeah. part of it is just because they have so many weapons on offense. And they spread the ball. There was also the kind of Jimmy Garoppolo experience where he wasn't necessarily good at finding some of his receivers at time, but they just spread the ball around. Like it's the thing, you know, players in that system are going to have to accept that they might not get the attention or the statistic, statistical performances that they might want or get elsewhere because, you know, you're going to be asked to block, you're going to be asked to run, and it's, you know, but the team wins. So you have to kind of decide. And there's no doubt with George Kittle that he gets just as much pleasure out of a good block as he does. (laughs) The other question mark, I mean, obviously Christian McCaffrey, big question mark, because he's always injured. And Nick Bosa, is that what you're going to bring up? And Bosa's contract situation with still expectations are that he will sign a contract between now and Sunday and will play in week one. But he is holding out. And then here comes a a weird... uh, injury of like some random muscle (laughs) yes or yeah and so and it's not too concerning because you just because it's nick bosa i'm sure he's off training as we said on a previous podcast i'm sure sure he's in better shape than if he was training with the niners (laughs) but it's not ideal preparation to have your star defensive player not be involved and you know their, their opening game against the steelers not a gimme so you want Bosa to be playing in that. So I'm going to go next, Eddie, to the team that I think is going to finish second and I think will also make the playoffs, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. So part of the reason I think they make the playoffs is because they can go 4-0 with the rest of the division besides the Niners. So you already have four wins there. You're halfway to 500 at that point. But they were a good team last year, and whether you believe in Geno Smith or not, They've now added Jackson Smith 
uh, Najiba, who's, I mean, he was dirty at Ohio State, and now they have maybe the best receiving core in in him, Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett around Geno Smith. You know, so they're only going to be better in the passing game, and I think they set, I think they had the team record in passing yards and completion percentage last year. So it's only going to get better. They picked up Witherspoon with the fifth pick in the draft. Getting the fifth pick was amazing for them. So now they have two lockdown corners, potentially. They brought back Bobby Wagner. I mean, this is this is going to be a good team with the caveat, which I think you might harp on a little more, if you think Geno Smith is going to be as good as he was last year. And I just think with the talent around him, it's going to be hard for him not to still throw for a ton of yards and a ton of touchdowns. So I think, I think they're a playoff team. Yeah, no, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. And I agree. I think they'll make the playoffs. They're finished second in the division. They'll make the playoffs. And you're right in part because you can pencil them in for four wins already just from the two worst teams in the division. And that's, you know, 35 to 40% of the way towards getting a playoff appearance. So I agree with you there. Also, the NFC itself is just not that strong. So it's also kind of process of elimination of where else are the great records in the NFC coming from. So, oh yeah, fundamentally agree with everything you said, but it's the Geno Smith question. I don't think Geno Smith is going to have such a large regression that they suddenly become a bad team. I think he won't be quite as good as he was for parts of last season. But, you know, he's a he's established himself as a legitimate NFL starter, and I think he kind of maintains that status. And with that division and the weapons that he has around him, then that will be pretty good. It's just I'm not worried about the Seattle Seahawks sort of making a deep playoff run, but they'll be they'll probably beat one or two good teams over the court. Like if you tell me they split the matchup against the 49ers, it wouldn't stun me. And at the same time, you know, they but they'll also probably lose to a couple teams that will surprise me. Yeah, so the Niners are heavy favorites to win this division at minus 175 on the money line, so almost 1 to 2. Um Seahawks are two to one. Rams are 10 to one. Cards are 28 to one. Um, Seahawks are 14 to one to win the NFC championship. I like that more than I like the Lions, to be honest, at 10 to one. So, um, but yeah, I think the Niners are the clear favorites in this division. And then the other two, I think, are the Cards and the Rams. And I don't think we need to spend too much time. I think the Rams, you know, they were five and 12 last year, they didn't do much in the offseason. They literally have Stafford, Cooper Cup, and Aaron Donald and nothing behind them. I don't think they'll be very good. And the cards, Murray's going to miss part of the season. They already cut Colt McCoy. So I don't even know what they're going to, what their plan is at quarterback. Um, They might win one game this season. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I don't think we have to spend too much time. I'm just going to say this for anyone, for my survivor pool approach, it's mostly going to be who are the Cardinals playing against this week and it'll be tough for week one though <laughs> yeah. they play the commanders and they might actually beat the commanders <laughs> i don't know it's the bold play in week one is to take the commanders because you're never you're probably never going to take them at any other point so it's like the smart it's just that you could end up being eliminated in week one of your survivor pool and think to yourself i got eliminated from picking the washington commanders but yeah now i think um it will be interesting to see if they can, you know, like either of those teams strings together four win seasons. 
I'd be surprised. What a fall for the Rams. I mean, what, how does this look for McVay? Like what, what, what do you, how do you perceive McVay now as a head coach when two years ago he was a wonderkind? <laughs> yeah. Now it's definitely hurt his reputation slightly because yeah, you went from there. They felt like the Rams were establishing themselves as a sort of dynasty. And then, you know, ultimately I think their big mistake. I think the decision to bring Stafford in for golf it kind of hurt them because it was a big commitment to a quarterback that you weren't going to replace through through a draft or through a trade, but you're also bringing in an aging quarterback who has injury issues, is kind of limited from a performance perspective anyway. I mean, it, you get to a serious moment now of, okay, they won the Super Bowl and that kind of justifies every decision you made leading up to that. But, you know, could they have won the Super Bowl with Goff? Quite possibly. And would they be in a better situation now if they hadn't made that trade? Almost certainly. So, yeah, I think it hurts his reputation because you do compare it. I know people will be like, well, their roster is really bad. But you do compare it to, you know, their parallels between him and Shanahan. And the difference to what you'd say with Shanahan is that he manages to work out a system that delivers. You might not be a playoff team, but they'll be decent. And it does feel like the Rams, it was like, well, the roster was really, really good. And then he was a good head coach and now the roster is really bad and it looks like he's a bad head coach. Yeah. I wonder if McVay still remembers every play when they were losing by 35 last year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The most overrated skill in the world. All right. We stick in the NFC then. Do we do the NFC East? No longer the NFC least, I guess. Probably the strongest. beast. Yeah, strongest division, strongest, maybe the strongest division in the entire league, but certainly the strongest division in the NFC. We kick things off then. I guess we'll both probably have the Eagles winning this division. Yeah. Yeah. I, we've, in a sense, we've kind of covered both covered the Eagles to a certain extent. They have probably the best roster in the, in, you know, both sides of the ball just have playmakers and, and elite caliber players pretty much across every position that you'd really want them to to be at they've lost a couple of players this offseason but no one's so significant that you think it would completely derail uh, what they have been building and yeah i expect them to be very very good again and definitely win this division and have you know finished the season with a and you know in contention with having the number one seed in the nfc the only slight issue you'd say there if you're comparing them with like the 49ers is it's just a much tougher division and you could see them losing to pretty much anyone within this division without it being surprising whereas if you told me that the 49ers lose to the cardinals this year i'd be pretty stunned so that would be my only thing but yeah i expect them to win the division yeah i I mean they they did lose a decent amount of especially defensive players and that's going to happen now because hertz is on a bigger contract uh, we talked about uh, Javon Hargrave they also, and uh, Gardner Johnson. They also lost TJ Edwards at linebacker. But the scary thing is they have like players already in their system to step up and replace them. So like N'Kobe Dean, who they drafted from Georgia, will probably step in now and be the starting linebacker. And then they brought in Jalen Carter from Georgia as well. So that's he's probably going to replace Hargrave. Like it's it's crazy how well they're putting their team together it's very impressive from a general manager standpoint um uh, you know some of the scary stats are uh first team since ever 
since they started recording sacks to have four different players with double digit sacks and three out of those four players are returning with Hargrave, the only one not. But again, you have Jalen Carter now. Um, they finished third in total yards, fifth in rushing, ninth in passing. Um, and, you know, they're returning Hertz, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard, and now I've added DeAndre Swift. So that's only going to get better, too. Uh, it's they're they're as much as it pains me to say they are a very well put together team. And I think they'll they'll win the division. Um, but I mean, you said easily. I don't think easily because I think this is finally the year the Cowboys kind of get out of their own way and put together a good regular season and a good postseason. I think they've enhanced their roster. I think, I think getting rid of Zeke uh, Elliott is actually a benefit to them. I think, you know, I, I don't think he was what he once was. And I think when you're holding on to players like that, it can actually hurt the team a little. Um, they got Brandon cooks at wide receiver and they got Stefan Gilmore who no one's really talking about, but had a great season last year. And you have Stefan Gilmore now paired up with, um, with Trayvon Diggs. So you have some shutdown corners. You have a good offense. You got CD lamb. You got Dak Prescott. The only thing that worries whoa, me about your, your Dak is a, is a complete positive for you. I think Dak's good. I don't think Dak's bad. I think he's okay. I think he's a middle of the road NFL quarterback. I think he's a what's what's middle of the road. Well, fifteen to twenty. Oh, I think he's better than that. We won't. Go I think he's it ten again. to fifteen range. Okay, you're only up bumping him up by one or two spots, but yeah, I don't think I don't think you can put him down as just a complete positive. Like, oh well, you have Dak Prescott in the same way that I wouldn't. Like we didn't when we did the Vikings, I think Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. And when we did the Minnesota Vikings, it wasn't well, you got Kirk Cousins. I said to have Kirk Cousins. Well, you said they have him, <laughs> but it wasn't uh I said he's good. <laughs> yeah, but you see what I mean. I do think Dak has maintained this slight image. I mean, he gets widely, widely criticized, so there's plenty of people who yeah. exist just to rip into Dak Prescott. But he is very polarizing and everyone else you know, like if you're a De- Dak Prescott fanboy, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are still of the belief that he is a kind of elite quarterback. And I, I think unless something, some huge improvement happens over the next year or two, that is certainly not the case. I think I fall somewhere in the middle. I don't think he's a disaster, but I don't think he's a top five QB by any stretch of the imagination. But I think the the worry here is you have McCarthy who's going to be calling plays for the offense and McCarthy can't he's an issue just calling timeouts. So, I mean, I'm a little worried he's going to be calling offensive plays. Um, but I think they just have a really strong roster. I mean, you have Micah Parsons, who's probably the best defensive player in the NFL. And now you have just their defense is so solid. It's going to be – it is impressive. I think both the Eagles and the Cowboys, I think, could win the Super Bowl. And they're coming from the same division. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll put the Cowboys – second in that division but i same i don't like again i don't i'm not betting my life on the fact that they finish as runners up in that division quickly i guess we can get on then who do you have finishing third then in the division oh the giants okay i'm just checking you might have been (laughs) you know might have become a, a, a commander's believer uh yeah i mean i think 
the Giants, I guess not too much need to go into, you know, so much detail about where they stand. I don't think, you know, not any radical, radical changes compared with last season. I kind of expect more of the same. For me, the big question mark remains, you know, the Daniel Jones, do I, how good do I think he is? And if he can take some step forward, then maybe they could put themselves into real contention to win the division if everything fell into place. But ultimately, I don't think he is, uh, you know, I think he's definitely in that 15 to 20 range. And ultimately, that's not, not going to be good enough for this. I, I might end up putting about nine quarterbacks in the 15 to 20 range by the end of this podcast. But There's no one in the top 15. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Patrick Mahomes, 16th best quarterback in the NFL. But the yeah, I think that's the concern for me. If you were to say that this season turns out to be a little bit of a disaster, it would be because it's because, you know, Daniel Jones gets looks more like the Daniel Jones we saw initially and less like the Daniel Jones we saw last season. Yeah. So as a Giants fan, I have to say, I think this is the first season in at least four seasons that I've talked myself into being excited for the Giants. I am not, I do not think Daniel Jones is a top five quarterback. I'm not going to, be one of those people who thinks he is and look at his stats, compare it to this guy and that guy in their third season. And he's doing better than this and that I watch him every game. He is not a top five quarterback, but he is, he wins, he can win you games and he's gotten better at not losing you games. And I think that could go a long way. I honestly think he is, could be like a Matthew Stafford like level eventually where he's not, he's, he's not the greatest QB. He's never going to be a top three, maybe in the NFL, but he could win you games and he can, he can do well. They've got some talent around them. They did a really good offseason, really good job this offseason. I'm kind of excited. I mean, they brought in Darren Waller. If he can stay healthy, I think that's a huge addition. Jalen uh, Hyatt, wide receiver, they drafted as a steal in like the third round. Um, you got Barkley is finally back on the field. Their defense has improved. You know, they've added it. I think Thibodeau is going to have a great season this year. Uh, he's going to be dancing over injured QBs all season long. I, I I think they're a playoff team again. And I think this year they actually deserve to be a playoff team. Last year they made the playoffs. I did not think they were a playoff team, even though they won a playoff game. I still didn't think they were that good of a playoff caliber team. This year I think they have the talent to actually be a playoff team. Fair enough. I th- I'm just going to have the the Eagles and the Cowboys making the playoffs from this division. But yeah, I don't strongly disagree with with anything that you just said. Do we wrap things up? I have I have all three making the playoffs again this year. Yeah. Wrapping things up quickly on the Commanders, I guess. I actually think the Commanders are going to be halfway decent this year. Big question mark. Like having Eric Bieniemy come in has to be seen as a positive. Just to have that kind of creative mindset you know that they're going to be able to probably improve their offense which is one of their big issues even though they have some pretty talented players in key positions from an offensive perspective aside from maybe quarterback i think they'll be decent i think they'll definitely show some improvement and more consistency i don't know i guess we'll see what happens with howell from as a quarterback it wouldn't stun me if jacoby Brissett is starting by the end of this season 
And if actually, if you told me right now that Jacoby Brissett was starting for the Commanders, I might actually think I'd be a little bit more positive about them this year. But I get it; you got to give the the you know the young quarterback a chance. But like, I actually think Brissett is a decent NFL quarterback, definitely in the fifteen to twenty range, probably in quarterback rankings. <laughs> but but yeah, not. I think they'll be okay. But yeah, not in. They're not going to cause anyone any serious issues in this division. Yeah, the, so I am pretty out on the Washington Commanders. Um, good, great receivers. I mean, they could have one of the best receiving cores in the NFL, but four out of their five linemen are brand new, and they're already ha- or they're already injured. Some of them. So I, their O line is terrible. I think Howell's going to get crushed, and you know there was a lot of talk last year about how Enemy isn't getting head coaching interviews. I think the hot take here is Biennemi is going to be the head coach for the season's over because I think Rivera's done. I don't think he's a good coach. I, I I never understood the Ron Rivera hype. I've never seen him have great years really ever except that one in Carolina. So I I don't I don't see it. Um, I think Biennemi will be the head coach by the end of this year. If I were to just again play slight devil's advocate here, let's just say Howell is decent right off the bat and that they can protect him a bit. I would expect them to win in week one against the Cardinals. Then they play the Broncos, who, if the Broncos are the nightmare win. experience that they were <laughs> last season, that could they could be 2-0. They then have the Bills. Okay, that's a loss. They have the Eagles. That will be a loss. And then they have the Bears, which could very well be a win. So we could be in a situation where five weeks into the season, they're 3-2, and two, and that would be a pretty good you know, cause for optimism. They don't. They obviously don't have the toughest schedule in the league but it does get harder from there just because of the number of divisional games that they have to play but yeah they could be i'm going to say now i I, i'll show my hand from anyone who's in the survivor pool with me the commanders will be my week one survivor pick so (laughs) my bold i think that's bold my survivor experience might be one week but we'll see how it goes i think sometimes it pays off for you, but I think more often than not, you try to be too bold early on to save it for the end of the year. And more often than not, it does not work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think as advice for anyone in a survivor pool, sometimes you're kind of keeping bullets in the chamber that A, you never get to fire and B, you wouldn't have even needed to fire if you'd taken the more conventional strategy. So it is the downside to uh, going with the riskier picks early on it feels great to say it's week eight and i still haven't used the chiefs yet but sometimes you know to win it you just have to outlast everyone else right and there's no extra rewards for getting to the end of the season and saying that you you know you won your survivor without ever picking the chiefs or the eagles so that wraps up the nfc east should be noted for the division you have the Eagles, our favorites, at minus 125. Uh, the Cowboys are plus 175. And then the Giants are uh, 8 to 1. And Commanders are 13 to 1. So if you fully believe on the Eagles, it's really not bad odds to win a division on a team that lost in the Super Bowl last year, you know, almost even money. Yeah, no, I'd say there's probably value. And the Eagles there, to, I mean, value is a little extreme, but they should be shorter odds than they are there. There's too much sort of belief that the obviously in the Cowboys or that the Giants could make some kind of leap forward. So I guess that leaves one division in the NFC for us to cover. 
Yeah. I call it the who cares division. <laughs> yeah, One of we two. Can, <laughs> we can probably be quick on the NFC South. So I, I'm just going to read off what I think the finishing order will be first. So uh, I think New Orleans Saints, Atlanta Falcons, Carolina Panthers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I am not confident in any of that. I I think the Saints are the best team. I don't know. Um, a lot of people love the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I think they have a pretty easy schedule. Uh, and again, they're in a division that's not very good. So they could definitely be a division winner. Um, the Saints are, this is talk about a conference that's wide open. The Saints are plus 110. Falcons are two to one. Panthers are four to one. Bucks are nine to one. So even when the worst team in your conference is nine to one, and that's a that's a team starting Baker Mayfield or or Trask, uh, you know, at nine to one, that's not showing much faith in this division. So uh, you can start it off whatever team you want. Yeah, I mean, I think we can be quick. Uh, I agree with you, and I don't have a total, I don't have a huge amount of confidence in any of these teams, but I'll say I think the Saints are going to win the division, and I will have them as the only playoff representatives of this division because I don't exactly think that any of them are going to have an extraordinarily good record. Uh, the positive for them is Derek Carr, that it has to be, yeah. it's an upgrade at the, at the quarterback position, but I'm not sure how big of an upgrade it is. Like I do think Derek Carr has been flattered slightly by being in sort of kind of fun Raiders teams. Then statistically he would do okay, but, but also shitty though too. Shitty, but, <laughs> but you know, he, he also had opportunities to probably be a bit better than he was and tended to not come through when they really needed him to. So yeah, like I, I, it's not as if it's some elite quarterback free agent signing or trade that they got. So yeah. Let me I'll ask you the, something. Does, yeah. does the names Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, does that still scare you at all? Um, Michael Thomas? No, because it's just impossible to know when he will actually be on the field. Kamara, yeah, because he's still what he does. There's not many people in the in the league who can can really do that. So, but yeah, I I don't know. It's I don't expect them to be great, but I think they'll win the division. Yeah, and they, I mean they have Chris Olave, who had a really good season last year, also coming from Ohio State, uh, soon to be the wide receiver. You apparently, um, I had a good trivia for this. Derek Carr, Eddie, one of five quarterbacks to throw for at least 3,500 yards in each of the last five seasons. Who are the other four quarterbacks to do so? Mahomes. Mahomes is one. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is two. I'm trying to think of, like, Herbert would have gone over that number, but then hasn't been in the Not league five. long enough. Um, who else could it be? Cousins? Cousins is three. One more. Oh, boy. Can you get it? I'm assuming Matthew Stafford would have done, but then he was injured. So I'm going to rule him out. Is this an obvious one, or is this like that I'm missing? Super obvious. I'm going to kick myself if I give up. I mean, super obvious. Super obvious? Give me a NFC or AFC. Uh, both. 
That doesn't help me then. <laughs> How that doesn't help you is unbelievable. <laughs> uh, Russell Wilson? No. Well, that doesn't NFC AFC. I. Oh, Tom Brady? Yes. Okay. <laughs> kind of didn't include him in my list because he's no longer, you know what I mean? Like you're not thinking yeah, of him yeah, because yeah, he's not an active player. Yeah, so, I mean, I think we both have Saints to win the division. Um, I have Falcons to go second. I don't know if you do as well. I do. Okay. Uh, I, I don't... I don't believe in Desmond Ritter. And I think that's the reason why I can't ever get them past the saints in my head. They, you know, he's got Kyle Pitts. He's got Drake London. Um, they added a little bit on, uh, on the off season, Calais Campbell, um, Jeff Okuda, AJ Terrell. So they've, they've done the right things, but I just can't get past Desmond Ritter. Um, and I don't know why I, I know everyone is, all up with B. John Robinson being, you know, offensive player of the year. He's going to be spectacular. You're going to see things out of him that you've never seen. He's still a running back, one. And two, he's on a team that had two running backs that were really good last year. So I don't, I don't understand it no matter how good he is. I don't know why you get a position that you can always get a replacement at when you already have two good running backs on your team. Um, so I think that was a waste of an opportunity there. So, yeah, I have them second. I don't have them making the playoffs. Agreed. And, yeah, and I'll go just to, I guess, not dedicate too much time to a division that we don't think will be really worth paying attention to. As you said, straight off the bat, I think Tampa Bay will be really, really bad. It's They you know pushed all the chips into the middle of the table for the Tom Brady experience, and it paid off because they won a Super Bowl. But now is the when they had to kind of pay the piper. And uh, yeah, so I think they'll be terrible, but and I have them finishing fourth and being one of the worst teams in the NFL. Yeah, and Panthers I think will not be much better. Um, you know, I don't think Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young is going to have that classic first year quarterback. A lot of interceptions, a lot of mistakes, some glimpses of what potential and what could be, but I just don't think they have enough there. Agreed. So that wraps up the NFC. Yeah. Let's move to the AFC and then we can talk, uh, you know, championship games. Yeah. So should we start AFC West? Probably the, the kind of premier division Ooh. from the AFC, the you, AFC you perspective. You can play that soundbite again just for that division alone. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I've got the Chiefs winning this division. No surprise there. Although, I mean, it's a tough division, so... There's reasons why you can obviously make a case for some other teams here. Uh, I, you know, I just think you could kind of copy and paste what the Chiefs do pretty much every season. There's, you know, in terms of what have they managed to add versus lose, I don't think you have such, you know, any major moves that should really impact uh, their performance. So, yeah, I think we can kind of just pencil them in for the same types of records we've seen from them over the last four or five years. So I've got them winning the division. I think we'll just see the same old chiefs and 
you know, apart from that, I, in a sense, I don't think there's too much to say. They're just really, really good. Yeah. So I just have a couple of stats for how good they are, Eddie. Um, so they're looking to win the division for the eighth straight year. Second best record ever. Who holds the best, the longest, and how many years was it? I mean, the temptation is obviously to say the Patriots of the early 2000s, basically. So it I'll is say the, the Patriots. So I'll say Patriots, and I'll say like 12 years. 11 years. So yeah. 2019, uh, 2019 was the last year they won the division. Uh, and, uh, you know, we talk about t- tough division, Mahomes 16 and 0 road games in this division. So never loses when he goes away in this division, which I, I know you don't think is a great statistic, but I think that's pretty impressive. Um, I think all these teams over the years have been at least competent teams. So to do that every game away is pretty impressive. And a lot of those games they were losing, you know, I can remember a bunch that they've been losing away. Did you watch, did you watch some of that NFL, the the quarterback and Netflix documentary? I did watch some, but I don't know if I watched what you're going to reference. Well, just his, his constant repeating of this is what I do. This is what I do. This is what I do. And also I get it. Aaron Rodgers did not create this, but the him repeating "I own this city" sort of when he gets beating the Chargers and stuff—it's like yeah, you, you got to come up with something different because Aaron Rodgers has the iconic usage of that. So yeah. you need to move on to something else. <laughs> and yeah, and you know, like we said, Chiefs Super Bowl champs—I think they're going to be right there again, looking to repeat for the first time. A team has repeated in twenty years. It's been a while. Has been. So, yeah, I've got them winning the division. So, yep, I do as well. Then I have the Chargers finishing second and also making the playoffs. I do as well. I don't have much to say about the Chargers, except I always expect great things and I always get disappointed uh, by just sometimes they just don't, I don't know, they just don't put it together. And I used to agree with Brandon Staley his first year when he, you know, made his proclamations about why he calls things the way he does. But as the sample size gets larger, I think his method gets called into question more and more because it isn't consistent and it isn't what he said it was and why he was doing it off the bat. So I think he is a slight worry. I like him as a coach, but I don't love him in big game situations. Uh, So that, you know, a terrible loss in the, in the playoffs blew a 27 nothing lead. I mean, that's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> but again, that's that is on him, but it's not entirely on him, right? Like this, this, that responsibility also falls at the feet of Justin Herbert, cuz as I kind of said that you're kind of one or two plays away from just winning that game without doing anything extraordinary. But yeah, I got not I've not got a lot to add. I've got the Chargers finishing second. I think that they will make the playoffs, but it would not absolutely stun me if this was the start of the wheels kind of coming off for the chargers and when people just start to have the discussion of, are we sure Justin Herbert's good? And that's... <laughs> You're insane. <laughs> it's such an insane thing to say. <laughs> I think it's a, 
I'm not even making the prediction. I'm just saying it's a possibility. And then, yeah, I guess the the only slight. Tell me debate. about Jimmy G, Eddie. Tell me what's well, he we, got left. Not a lot. He never had a lot to begin with. You know, like. When... <laughs> oh, fuck off! You can't say that. Oh my god. <laughs> no, I mean, I think we always knew. I think I always acknowledged the Jimmy G limitations, and they remain. So you throw him into a really tough division, not a great team. You know, they're, they've got some talent, but they weren't, you know, it's not as if he's got, he's, he's definitely in a much tougher situation than he was in at San Francisco. So I have them finishing bottom of the division, actually, I, because I think that the uh, Broncos will improve slightly because I just can't believe that Russell Wilson is going to be as bad as he was and you throw an experienced head coach into the mix and I just think certain things around the team will improve and so I think the Raiders will finish bottom of the division I think that the the Broncos will be okay not sort of embarrassingly pathetic as they were at times last season I think they'll be all right but not not make the playoffs but be okay yeah, I, I think the Raiders, they have no defense. Their defense was terrible last year. They didn't do much. They got Jimmy G, Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers. I think this is a bet the over every week the Raiders are playing because they're going to let up a ton of points and then they're just going to air the ball out. I mean, you could have 45, 35 games like every week with this team. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I think they're going to finish last in this division as well. I have one uh, question here for you, Eddie. This division holds the coach that has the highest points per game average for any coach in the Super Bowl era. Who is that coach? I mean, I'm going to guess it's Sean Payton. It is not Andy Reid, but it is Sean Payton, averaging 27.6 points per game. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense given what they had going on in New Orleans. Will it help the Broncos? He, he's going to be an improvement, right? I mean, that was just an absolute mess for them last season. So, yeah, I think, and it also probably helps when you do have a quarterback like Russell Wilson, a big personality, big reputation. I think when things start to go wrong, it helps to have a like a head coach who he ha- he will have to respect and listen to, and can be the sort of biggest personality in the room in terms of getting things to, you know, all be everyone to be pulling in the same direction. So I think it will help, but I don't think it's going to be such a big difference maker that all of a sudden they're going to be playoff contenders. How much do you love that he likes to wear his fancy Nike shoes? Yeah. I mean, you know, my feeling on the, on sneaker culture and well, I put it this way, a sneaker culture of middle-aged to older white men. That's my, Unless you tell me that if someone can find evidence of a 17, 16 year old Sean Payton being super into uh, <laughs> shoes. Maybe he didn't have the means, Eddie, and now he has the means. But you could just find, I don't know. Let yeah. me side note one for you here. What about like Mark Cuban wearing Dirk Nowitzki's shoes? I'm okay with that because you're kind of just showing support for your friend okay. at that point. Or like, like Luca's. Yeah. Shoes. That's that's fine. That's you kind of you can just tell me you're just building the brand of the team that you own in that instance. So that doesn't bother me. But if yeah, if you're 
if Mark Cuban's showing up, it's in particular when it's the suit and the the expensive, uh, you know, the the Robert Kraft approach, or if it's just like super colorful, you know, attention grabbing shoes thrown into your everyday wardrobe when you're a 55 year old man who otherwise from a is a guy wearing a, a black t-shirt and a black baseball cap with nothing on it <laughs> it's exactly. an empty black baseball cap. it's not empty it has a logo but it's also black <laughs> but no i mean it's yeah it's you know at a certain point you gotta address your age okay let's move on to the afc north could be the best division in the afc if you believe the hype I have the Cincinnati Bengals finishing first, Baltimore Ravens finishing second, Pittsburgh Steelers third, and Cleveland Browns fourth. I have the Bengals and the Ravens both making the playoffs. I have the, I think I'm going to go three teams making the playoffs for this. I'm going to go Bengals, Ravens, and Browns all making the playoffs. Wow. One thing I will give you, Eddie, you are consistent on always believing the Browns are a good team. <laughs> I think they showed a lot of encouraging signs last season. And you, you know, you just. Except for one major. <laughs> and I, but I believe that Deshaun Watson will be better having come back into the fold. And, you know, now he get a full season with Deshaun Watson. And if he's anything close to the Deshaun Watson he was pre scandal then they have a top 10 quarterback. There you go. I've put someone in the top 10. That's the first QB you're going to put in the top 10. I think I also put a few others, but yeah, top 10. Potentially even top five. Wow. Like he has the- 58% completion, seven touchdowns, five interceptions last year. Right. But, you know, this is... Uh, when I say he had a few excuses for that performance, I don't mean in the sense that they weren't anything other than his own doing. So it's not the kind of, but he, there is some context to why he may have struggled last season in a way that he probably will not this season. All right. I I don't see it. I, I thought Deshaun Watson was a great QB. And then, you know, after everything that's happened, I just don't think he's come back and I don't, maybe he's not in the right mindset. He had his big deal. Maybe he doesn't care anymore. Um, you know, he's still got Miles Garrett, and now they have Zadarius Smith, so that's going to be good. But the stat I have that's pretty interesting about the Browns finished 15 consecutive seasons with a negative point differential. Since 2008, they've never had a positive point differential. Longest streak of its kind. I think it changes this year. You know, I think you get, if I looked at their key position players, I think Nick Chubb, maybe the best running back in the league. Deshaun Watson, top 10 quarterback. Amari Cooper, I think, is sort of underrated as a wide receiver. He's still in the NFL? <laughs> you know, I think they got a lot going for them. So I think, I think they'll continue to improve. But I also do understand as a Browns fan, you got to be a little bit torn. It is tough to be in a situation where you have to kind of root for a guy who you might absolutely despise for a good reason. Like it is not, it's the tough thing about it being, you know, a, a 
if you really are into your team, because do you either want Deshaun Watson to be a massive failure so that you can rid yourself of him and go back to maybe having someone more likable at quarterback? Or do you just want your team to be good because ultimately you're a, a fan and a supporter and you just want the team to win? I don't know exactly where you... I can understand anyone falling on either side of that coin. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Eddie. Are you a Kenny Pickett believer? I wouldn't say I'm a Kenny Pickett believer, but I think he's okay. You know, if... There's a reason why I have him finishing fourth in the division. (laughs) So that it wasn't a ringing endorsement for his abilities. But I do think the Steelers will be... A, Above 500? Yes. I think they will keep the run going. Yeah. The, the, I, the, the only thing that makes sadly, it a little Sadly, I think they will. <laughs> the only thing that makes it a little bit tough for them is just this division is hard. So you're not yeah. getting you're not getting any gimmies out of the division itself, which for most of the last 20 years, the Browns have kind of been providing that gimme. So that's... They the, can go one and five in this division, and that will not be a good sign for going over 500. Yeah. I, the, you know, you are a big Trevor Lawrence supporter. Kenny Pickett, higher completion percentage, QBR, and yards per attempt than Lawrence in his rookie season. So if he can improve at the same level Trevor Lawrence improved, he could have a better second year. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. From Played high school football, same county as I did. Well, <laughs> who's doing better? We'll have to see his second year. <laughs> All right. What's your, yeah, fi- what's your, did you give your finish? Did you say who you expected? To yeah. Make Bengals the- Ravens playoffs, both making the playoffs, but Bengals first. Um, th- I, you know, the Bengals are a really good team. You can see that now, you know, back to back years, Burrow, Higgins, Chase, Boyd. That's really scary. The thing that's more scary, Eddie, is since drafting Burrow in 2020, since he has the worst pass block win rate in the NFL, and only the Bears have allowed more sacks than the Bengals in those seasons. And they have upgraded their offensive line the past two years, but is it enough still? And I I mean, that is, we talk about it, we talked about it last year, and I think we're going to talk about it again. Joe Burrow has the potential to get killed back there at any point. And if you lose Burrow, I think this team is completely done. Uh, you know, as good as the team is, I think he is that good of a QB already that, you know, that, that's a make or break team right there with him. And it's just not the ideal situation for him to be back there with that bad of an offensive line. So to be determined if it's better. Well, also in, in a division in which you don't want to have that problem, they have teams in their division with great elite pass rushers and who will yeah. be able to put pressure on him consistently. So it's also kind of, you know, your your weaknesses really playing into some of the strengths of the opponents you're going to play most frequently. So that is the concern. If you if you make if you really have total confidence in in Cincinnati, it's that he could get injured. And yeah, it's it's and there's not a single team in the NFL where if you told me that their quarterback gets injured that I don't think of the teams I expect to make the playoffs that I don't immediately think, well, that's going to be a big issue. The one exception might be the 49ers because I think Sam Donald would step just into straight into the fold and they'd continue to be Super Bowl contenders, but everywhere else, the drop-off would be too significant. Interesting. Cause last year you said the Eagles wouldn't drop off either. 
but now you've changed that slightly. I think the Eagles would be still remain to be the other one. It just goes back to just how good the overall team is. Yeah, I mean, they brought in Orlando Brown Jr. from the from the Chiefs, who was you know a shutdown tackle, but. We'll see. I, I still think, though, they're a very talented team. And that brings us to the Ravens, who I have finishing second, but also making the playoffs. Um, signed Lamar Jackson to be determined whether it will be worth how much they paid. Uh, I, I, They have now Todd Munkin, an offensive coordinator, who will definitely throw the ball more. So I think this is the season where you're either going to see you know, Lamar Jackson is an elite quarterback or I'll still hold on to the fact that I don't think he's elite because I don't think he's that great of a passer. I still don't think he is, but you got Beckham, you got Zay flowers, you got a good offensive coordinator. This is the season Lamar Jackson, I think has to put up big numbers after signing that contract. Yeah. I mean, I think then the other kind of total amount of the contract matters less just because it's the nature of the NFL quarterback signed big contracts. Right. But yeah, he, it could look bad after him basically refusing to play in a playoff game and, you know, not even show up to watch it. It, it wouldn't look great if he now doesn't deliver elite, elite level performances, but I think they'll be good. Playoff good? Playoff good, yeah. Which division do we do next? The, the other, I guess, is the next most compelling division in... Go for it. Well, AFC, Pick us off. AFC East, I guess we go. My finishing order will be... Bills, top. And now it gets a little bit tougher. Wow, making this pick on the fly. I love it. I'm not making it on the fly, but I, I do. I, oh, flip-flopping on live podcast. <laughs> I'm going to put the Jets third. I'm going to go. I got you there, didn't you? You thought I was going to go. I'm going to go Dolphins two, Jets three, Patriots four, and I have the Bills and Dolphins making the playoffs. I have exactly the same. So walk me through the Bills and the Dolphins then. Bills, I guess you just expect kind of similar to the Chiefs. We expect the kind of the same, you know, what we saw from them last season. I don't think there's any really significant reasons to think otherwise. Again, assuming everyone stays healthy. Dolphins, the big question mark is obviously at the quarterback position. But another year under Mike McDaniel, they have so many offensive weapons. You know, again, in discussion for best wide receiver core, you know, that, and yeah, I think assuming Tua does stay somewhat healthy, then they'll be very good. And the Jets, yes. Well, hold on. I'm going to stop you there real quick. Yeah. I'm going to bring in your buddy, Bill Simmons, Mm -hmm. who Bill Simmons, his major thing was in classic Bill Simmons, are we sure the Bills are that good? Are we sure yeah. they're actually a good team? No, that's so stupid. His major talking point, which is a legitimate talking point, they almost lost to the Dolphins in the playoffs with Skylar Thompson as the Dolphins' starting quarterback. I think the criticism of the Bills being like in the discussion with sort of the Chiefs 
you know, expected to fight out the AFC every season and should be in the, in the discussion for Super Bowl contenders every year. Maybe it's time to question that slightly in the same way that I feel about Justin Herbert of, okay, like Bills, Josh Allen, if you really want to be compared to those teams, you need to actually deliver. Like we need to see at least a Super Bowl appearance out of you to keep mentioning you as one of the teams to beat in order to win the Super Bowl. Because at a certain moment in time, like is Josh Allen going to play his entire career without a Super Bowl before, you know, appearance? <laughs> and yet we're going to be like, well, you know, he is always one. He's always there or thereabouts. It's like, well, he's always thereabouts. He's just never there. And so I do kind of get where Simmons is coming from, but no, I think they're obviously a good team. Like there's no, their regular season records prove that they are a good team and they have come very, very, you know, they're one of the few teams who consistently push the chiefs close. I mean, that's the. And I mean, you're talking about another team who was decimated by injuries last year and all of those players are returning this year. So you might see a better, uh, starting 11, especially on defense. I mean, their defense was hurt pretty bad. And the thing, the underrated storyline that people just aren't talking about enough is, you know, over the course of last season, the Bills figured out how to clone their players. And that, <laughs> I mean, how worried do we need to be about Josh Allen's potential to get hurt? I, I have to take back, I guess, what I just said about quarterback injuries derailing a team's season because they, cl- they can just clone Josh Allen and put Josh Allen, literal Josh Allen 2.0 into the mix. I don't like, there can't be someone who legitimately thinks that's possible. There are. And that's how, that's how we're going to use cloning. (laughs) I mean, I guess. Or is cloning that easy of a thing now behind closed doors? Yes. That we're actually at a level now where we're just cloning NFL players to drive a conspiracy theory <laughs> through the NFL. That's how low cloning is in on like technology right now. Yeah. It's just the Illuminati and the new world order are keeping it away from us. I mean, that's, it's obvious. Yeah. Don't you think I had a legitimate discussion with someone a couple of weekends ago, not to take this down into this, a, a well-worn topic, both from a global perspective and from this podcast, but with two people, one of whom, you know, very well, who both claim that COVID was nothing more than the flu and that no one our age died from COVID. That the <laughs> only people who died from COVID were 80-year-olds and 90-year-olds or people with pre-existing health issues. And that it was a whole, it was just like a big conspiracy theory. Those are two intelligent people who held this, I thought, I guess I have to doubt their intelligence, but certainly two people who on the appear to have been intelligent. So yeah, there's definitely people out there who believe the cloning theory. Well, you know, I think I actually believe in the cloning theory as well, except it's not quite perfect because they still can't get that Mitch McConnell clone to speak all the time. <laughs> That's why he's breaking Sometimes down. Sometimes it just freezes <laughs> and they have to restart it. He's a clone or is he a robot? <laughs> He's a clone, but it's not a perfect clone because every once in a while they have to bring him in and replace him because it just stops working. (laughs) Mitch McConnell died 37 years ago. (laughs) They're on clone 65. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Yeah. So getting back, uh, I have the Bills finishing first. I have the Dolphins second. 
I could see that flip-flopping, but again, I think I agree with you. It all depends on Tua um, and his health, and we don't know, and I don't think we will know because it could be any game, any play, and that could be the end of the Dolphins season. And they have an extremely talented roster, so it is kind of unfortunate. And it is a little unfortunate they've already lost Jalen Ramsey as well. That was one of their big signings. I don't think Jalen Ramsey is what he was four years ago, but he's still a good cornerback. And he's out, I think, the whole season. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's they could they could win that division. But yeah, it's just tough with the Tua situation because also you know they're gonna have to protect him. Like any hint of a concussion, every time he has a big hit, there's gonna be talk of, well, does he have to sit out the next game? And you know, if they are seeing themselves as Super Bowl contenders, certainly a team that wants to be in the playoffs, you need Tua there for that. So there will be a temptation to rest him maybe in regular season games that other quarterbacks would not be rested for based on what might have happened the week before. And yeah, I just think I'm, I'm confident that I know what the bills will do over the course of the full regular season. Whereas there's more question marks over the dolphins because of that quarterback situation. And then when it comes to the jets, obviously I think they will improve significantly through having Aaron Rodgers. He isn't the Aaron Rodgers that from years ago, like I think people are speaking about him as if this is just, a guaranteed Aaron Rodgers MVP caliber season. And and we both agree he's not really there anymore, but he's obviously an improvement on what they had previously. And they have a lot of talent around him. The big area where they are missing talent is their offensive line. And Oof. that's that also worries me given Aaron Rodgers' personality. So not only could this go badly from the sense of just that's a bad place in your team to have your biggest weakness, but also because I think you could just see Aaron Rodgers check out midway through the season. Like if, if they got off to a bad start and he's getting just sort of pounded every week, would I be stunned if he just retired mid season? You know, like it wouldn't yeah. be the craziest storyline. Yeah. And I think not only the personality, Eddie, but the actual play on the field, here's a t- statistic that I think is pretty Pretty damning on Aaron Rodgers over the past three years. So and I think that's I think that's the perfect sample because he has been not quite the QB that he was in the past year or two. So not going back to the last 10 seasons, but only doing the last three. He has the second highest QBR on plays when the defense doesn't get a pass rush win. When they do get a pass rush win, he goes from number two to number 28 ranking in QBR. That is a very scary statistic for a team that has questions on both left and right tackle. It could be, I, and their defense is phenomenal. They had one of the best pass defenses in the NFL. And I think in today's NFL, if you don't have a good pass defense, you're not winning games. That's all good and great. But if you have a QB who's at 39 years old and doesn't like getting rushed and is getting rushed, it could be bad. I, I got to give you some credit there, Frank. I don't think we would have, could have called ourselves a serious NFL pr- preview unless the words in today's NFL were muttered at some point. So we've we've now put ourselves got into it? full ESPN style. I saved it. I saved it. Uh, and then rounding this division up, you have the Patriots. Um, I don't think you can win with just Matthew Judon. <laughs> I think you need more than that. <laughs> He's a great player. He's like, he does almost win them games sometimes, uh, which is pretty unbelievable. But 
I'm not a Mac Jones believer, you know, 14 and 11 last year, touchdowns, interceptions. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it. I think they'll be okay. And obviously from a coaching perspective, I think there's some improvements that have been made there. I think they'll be okay. And I, I don't think I could completely rule them out from playoff contention. Like I, there's obviously that their defense is so good that I do think they're going to keep themselves in games. And if Mac Jones can make any kind of improvement there, then they'll, they're going to sneak games that you wouldn't expect them to win just because of how good their defense is, both in terms of how it will limit teams, but also the kind of score points. You know, how many their defense is going to chip in with a decent number of points over the course of this season, either directly from a defensive touchdown or from just a turnover that suddenly puts them in the red zone in a huge swing in the sort of momentum of a game in the field of play. But yeah, I think it's just such a tough division. That's the thing. I, I think you could yeah. put this very Patriots team into a handful of other divisions and I would be picking them to win that division. Like I think they're better than the Saints, for example, and I have the Saints winning a division. So yeah. then maybe close. Like yeah. And I think the odds speak to exactly what you're saying. So I think this is the most open division for as good as the division is, which I think is is interesting. The Bills are plus 120. The Jets are plus 250. The Dolphins are 3-1. to one, And the Patriots are 8-1. to one. So any team is over even money to win that division. And then lastly, we have maybe the worst division in the NFL. <laughs> um, the AFC South, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars, Tennessee Titans, Indianapolis Colts, and Houston Texans. So I have the Jags winning this division, the only team making the playoffs, followed by the Titans, Texans, and Colts. So, yeah, I'll agree with you there. I think the Jags, still some question marks, but they are talented, and you have a quarter, obviously a quarterback showing good potential, and you'd expect to continue to improve. Titans, I have enough respect for the Titans just kind of as a team at this point that I think they'll be all okay no matter what. And then then you get into the kind of scraps of the NFL. The Colts, I think, will be one of the worst teams in the league this season. So, And then the Texans are the Texans. Like it's, we kind of pretty much know what we get from them. So, yeah, I, I have the Jags as the only team making the playoffs out of... So I, I actually, I guess from the numbers, I got the Jag. I had to put the Jags and the Titans as both making the playoffs. Wow! Just and the only logic for me for that is the Titans just will, I think will go four and zero against the two worst teams in the division. But I don't think they're going to win much after. I, you know, Eddie, you made that huge proclamation that the Titans are trash adjacent. I think they are fully in the trash. Um, they have no good offense besides Derrick Henry and their offensive line is getting worse every year. I, I just don't think, I just don't think the Titans are very good. I had one great stat for you, Eddie. This is a stat from ESPN.com and it says after Eddie Hewitt trashed Trevor Lawrence on the podcast, Lawrence's QBR jumped from 44.3 to 63.9 62% to 69% completion and his touchdown to interception ratio went from 10 and six to 15 and two. And that was right about when you trashed him halfway through that season. 
can't be right about everything, you know? <laughs> and they have Calvin Ridley now. So I definitely think they're going to be the best team in that division until Calvin Ridley bets against someone week one and then he's suspended. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I think, yeah, it'll be fun. I mean, it's, it's, there's pressure on Trevor Lawrence to follow up a, an encouraging second season. I think the only other storyline you can spin in this division is who will look better as a rookie, CJ Stroud or Anthony Richardson. And I think a lot of people are very high on Richardson who only threw 900 passes in both high school and college combined. So, uh, you know, not a very polished throwing quarterback, but very dynamic, good playmaker versus CJ Stroud, who, you know, had probably the best receiving core in the history of college football for a quarterback over two years. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think this is a very exciting division. I think the Jaguars and I don't have the Titans, but you do making the playoffs. All right. So should we finish this off? What's your AFC championship matchup, NFC championship matchup, and then Super Bowl matchup and winner? So why don't you go first? I didn't do championship matchups. I just picked the winner from each. So let me take a sec to think. So I'm going to go a repeat in the NFC, Eagles-Niners, with the Niners prevailing this time around. And I'm kind of going to go chalk, I guess, here in a sense. And I'm going to go Bills-Chiefs in the AFC. And then I think it will be Bills-Niners in the Super Bowl. And I have the Buffalo Bills winning the Super Bowl. Oh, just off your talk about will Josh Allen ever win the Super Bowl? No, this but, is it. <laughs> yeah, no, but I was responding more to the Bill Simmons take, right? But no, I think, yeah, I think they get it done this season. I think this is going to be a weird NFL season. And I'm going to go NFC. I'm going to go Eagles, Cowboys. Same division, NFC championship. And I think the Cowboys are going to win and make it to the Super Bowl. And then in the AFC, I have also same division, Chiefs, Chargers. And I have the Chiefs winning that matchup to the Super Bowl and the Chiefs repeating as the first team in 20 years to repeat. The Chiefs are the safe pick. I mean, they really are. Like, it's, it took a lot for me to pick against the Chiefs. But just... You know, Chiefs. So I'll just run through a couple um, betting odds for those interested for the Super Bowl winning odds. Chiefs six to one, Eagles seven to one, Bills nine to one, Niners you can get them about nine or ten to one, Bengals ten to one, Cowboys fourteen, Jets sixteen, Ravens eighteen, and that's anything under twenty to one. Chargers twenty five to one. That's a steal. All right. Any other, do you want a quick MVP prediction? Well, I was going to ask you, should we have, for the past few seasons, just been betting Mahomes to win the MVP? Because he is consistently around what he is now, which is six to one. And had you just been betting that for a few years, you'd be doing pretty well. Um, Mahomes, six to one, Burrow, seven to one, Allen, eight to one, Herbert, 10 to one. Hurts 11, Lamar Jackson 15 to 1, Rodgers 16 to 1, with Trevor Lawrence at 16 to 1. Well, my pick is going to be Josh Allen. He's going to be a good season for the Bills. And obviously, having come so close to winning it last season, looked like he was in control of that MVP race. 
I think this, I think he wins it this year. Yeah. I, I'm going to say you can't bet against Mahomes. So I just think six to one is actually not bad odds. <laughs> Anything else? Yeah. I know I'm going to get a lot of heat for taking the Cowboys to make the Super Bowl, but I just think one year it all has to align for them. And I just think this could be the year it actually aligns. They have um, a really good defense. It's going to be a scary defense. No, I'm, I'm just glad that I get to, you know, no matter what, you're going to be wrong on that. So this makes my life easier. <laughs> two, there have been, so two, let's do a little one piece of housekeeping and then one other topic I'd like to very briefly cover. While we're on the NFL, are we bringing back the weekly picks back? There have been calls from some listeners for us to go back to the full game to, weekly to picks. pick every game yeah we can yeah run. i think we can all right well we'll bring that back so that's that housekeeping so listeners who've wanted to have that return can now get that and then the other thing i just got a message off former co-host sam saying he is in new york at the moment and he has tickets tomorrow to the u.s open which he bought he got them i think it's 70 dollar face value tickets he gets to see both Djokovic and Corey Goff, so sort of a good day to be going from a star power perspective, especially Goff. Is his question, can he get one of them on the podcast? Can he be back on? No. His question is, he he can resell them right now for $250, so a little over three times what he paid for them. I think there's Wait, no... he only has one ticket, though. He has one is ticket, that... yeah. So he can resell no. his $170 ticket for $250 right now. I think no. I like to me it would have to be no. nice. Should I sell it? And I think that's not an, a sum of money that's going to kind of make any major impact to your New York experience. I think if it's two people and you go from one forty to five hundred, then I think you're. I think then you've got a shot to say yes because that's like a pretty a decently nice dinner. Yeah, but then you have to discuss is a. Are you going to get more pleasure out of that dinner versus going to the quarterfinals of the U.S. What's Open? the weather? Hot. I think that's a factor. Probably hot. I mean, it did. Ra- it has been raining a little bit in New York because there's been. Some it has. Rain. But I mean, he will be indoors then, I suppose. Well, at least the roof, because obviously he's so he's not got a risk of missing play. But yeah, I don't know. I think if you're. Is think, it today or tomorrow? It's tomorrow. So he's looking at 90 degrees and 70% humidity. I think that's a sell. Delightful. (laughs) And also the other factors, you're at the tennis all day. You're going to spend quite a lot of money on food, drinks, everything else associated with being there. But yeah, for me, it's He told me he can't wait to get the melon drink. Oh, I'm sure. Whatever it's called. But, uh, and I guess we can just touch on the U S open really quickly before we leave. Then obviously the big surprise was Shriatek getting knocked out uh, yesterday. So leaves the women's side of the draw. Very, very open. Sabalenka now favorites. And on the men's side, still set up for the big matchup between Djokovic and Alcaraz. I did think yeah. it was interesting. I have this theory. Djokovic is wearing this sort of all blue outfit. And then you have the very blue electronic boards behind the tennis players. Literally everything he's wearing is blue. Shoes, socks, shorts, shirt. And as he is someone who puts so much thought into every aspect of his game and how he prepares, I can't help but think 
that he is intentionally wearing a color that kind of blends into the background to give him some kind of competitive advantage that if a player like quickly glances up, it's that little bit harder to recognize exactly where he is. see where he's at. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Not a bad idea. Yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. All right. I'll talk to you later. See ya. Cheerio.